Hey everybody, welcome back to another commission podcast uh, brought to you by BaldMove.com. Uh, actually, no, I, I got a little into my shtick. It's brought to you by Alafia McMurty, hmm. who, uh, well, I'll just let her explain. Uh, my favorite move, it could, I think Alafia? Alafia is a female the, name. Yeah, no, that sounds right. Uh, a person who I respect because your 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 personhood uh, uh made the following comments <laughs> okay it's <laughs> an awkward way of rounding into she might be female yeah my 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 favorite movie of all time is the color purple which you guys have already covered i honestly could yeah. not think of any one movie that I would enjoy hearing you guys talk about until finally it dawned on me back to the future oh. by my standards this is a work of art and everyone should watch the trilogy at least once in their life Thank you guys for podcasting, and I look forward to listening to you guys break down Back to Future, the first movie out of three installments. A work of art, man. That's a pretty low bar to (laughs) jump over. Well, for me, a work of art has a lot of connotations beyond, like, summer movie blockbuster, right? Yeah. To to me, I go to museums to see a work of art. Sure. I, I go to, like, I don't David Lynch movies to see a work of art. Uh... But, but you know, in a certain light, this is a work of art. And certainly I'm with her in that this is one of my all-time favorite movies. Indeed. And, you know, it's been a minute since I've seen this film. This, this uh, I mean, maybe 10, maybe 15 years since I've seen the Damn. original Back to the Future. I've okay. seen two and three kind of recently because uh, at least a good part of two, most of three, because uh, it's been on, I don't know, one of the... Somebody had a marathon that I got halfway through. Right. But the first one, uh, this was kind of like I, I got to see a little bit of fresh eyes, and I was scared that it might not hold up. Held up like a champ, Jim. Yeah. This movie, uh, in in its form, is is a work of art. I mean, it is so such a tightly written film. Uh, I, I can't imagine making a more compact film than this that's not saying it doesn't have plot holes and things that don't make sense but you're right right it's very efficient little story engine all of its holes are in its in its premise of time travel Mm. and time travel is something you know that you can never get fully right uh, we just don't know how it works. It but could be, as, it could be, and in fact, there's a lot of people saying that it it might be physically impossible. Sure, yeah, but but in like its art form, in its its storytelling capacity, it is so tightly uh, written. Yes, I, I I struggle to compare it with other with other films for how tightly written it is because I I can't think of another that's this good. And the performances, my God, Christopher oh, yeah. Lloyd. <laughs> Uh, running amok. Uh, Michael J. Fox at like the height of his Tiger Beat powers. Okay. Leah Thompson, uh, Crispin Glover. Might they're, be the They're only, all amazing. I, I want to say it's the only like non-creep role he's ever had, except for he kind of plays a creep. People forget that. He does Marty, play, yeah, he's a peeping Tom. Marty's father is a uh, is committing sex crimes in this movie. Uh, yep. <laughs> and really, stopping others. He really is. <laughs> uh, stalking, fe- peeping, He's he's doing it all. Uh, it's super creepy, but you kind of forget about it because he's such a dork. He's such a weirdo. Uh, and, and Marty, he's Marty's father and you're really rooting for Marty. And in as much as you want him to change the lives of his parents, uh, I, I think you forget the Crispin Glover in his role as George McFly is a creep. Sure. Uh, this was directed by Robert Zemeckis. And uh, let's say this, when you have a peeping Tom and a pervert, as your main character's father and and in some ways 
a, a partial hero of the film. Sure. You He's need a, a biff. You need a biff in there to, to counteract out, that. To, to, to really out, to out biff him. Just be a fucking sleazeball. I sure. mean, this guy is. Aside from his looks and his mannerisms, mm-hmm. uh, he's a rapist. Yeah, but let's not forget that attempted rapist. Anyway, eh, sure. Do we really want to make that distinction? I don't know. Maybe, but I he, would, he I would like to ultimate... think that bit in the ultimate moment, Biff would have, would have come to the oh, sober conclusion right. that no, I can't right. do this. This is not. If this hadn't... is not consistent with my biffitude. Right. If he had, how been far have I fall? How far out. have you fallen, Biff? He says to himself. No. <laughs> right. Yeah. Look at your life. Look at your choices. No, he's a he rapist. catches a glimpse of himself in the rearview mirror and says, "Is this really who I want to be?" Oh, <laughs> uh, with his hair receding. And all. No, no, he's he's a rapist. He's violent. He's aggressively stupid. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's everything that you want in a. a he's essentially the he's the equivalent of casting Nazis. Yes, in it, the it role takes of that to really outshine the creep that is George McFly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's directed by Robert Zemeckis, um, who you've mm-hmm. seen tons of his films. Romancing the Stone was the first one that I, I can remember it. seeing in 84. I didn't see it in 84, but I saw it later. Uh, Back to the Future, all the Back to the Futures, actually. Uh-huh. Uh, who Framed Roger Rabbit. Okay. Death Becomes Her. Uh, Forrest Gump. Uh, okay. Tales from the Crypt. He's, he directed Castaway? I did not know that. The, fi- the Tom Hanks film? Yes. Wow. Okay. Uh, Polar Express, uh, that the digital Beowulf kind of mess of a movie. Um, uh, I've seen like two of these. Yeah, you've seen. I, I feel like Roger Rabbit and Back Flight. To the Future. Did you know he Forrest directed Gump. the uh, Denzel Washington movie Flight that came out like three or four years ago? No, I never saw that. It looked cool. I just didn't get around to it. So yeah, he has done a lot of stuff all over the place, and I thought he did an amazing job. Uh, right. Uh, it's also you know a partial Steven Spielberg joint. Uh, I know he was He's executive the producer EP, yeah. on it, um, and I think he had a significant amount of input. Like, there's a lot of stuff about the recasting of Marty McFly halfway through the shooting of this thing. Oh, where, tell me about that. Oh, you didn't know about this? No, I did not. Uh, Who Eric, was Eric Stoltz? Uh, you, no shit. You know I him know him from a lot of stuff, actually. Yeah, you, you've seen him. He was in the mat. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, that guy. That guy was originally Marty McFly, and they got five weeks into shooting, and they were like. This guy is a good actor. He's just not hitting the comedic timing the way we want him to. Mm-hmm. He, he's bringing more of a, <laughs> forgive my my pun here, a heaviness. Uh, his performance is heavy compared to Marty McFly and uh, the way we want him to be and as he's written. So they brought, they fired him five weeks into shooting and did five weeks worth of reshoots with uh, Michael J. Fox. That's a lot. I'm that's, surprised they were able to do that, but I was like, about to say that's not enough time to to do all the research shoots they needed. I wouldn't think five weeks to completely replace a guy. But no, the no, no. They had complete. done five weeks of shooting, oh, 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 and had to go back and reshoot all those five weeks. Huh. Um, and, and you know, Robert Zemeckis was noticing it, and he brought it to Steven Spielberg, and like brought it to the studio, and they were like, "Okay, I guess." Like it, Steven Spielberg agreed. Yeah, he's just not. Not what the film needs, even though he's good. I did a little uh, bit of... So he was pretty involved in the making of this, I guess. I, I did a, a little bit of high-speed research. There's apparently, like, a few frames where Eric Stoltz is still in the movie. <laughs> so I heard, yeah. Like, did, where right, is that? right before uh, him and Biff meet in the cafe and, and punch, when the camera pans from Marty, there's, like, just a few frames of, of Stoltz's face in the lower left of the thing while the, while the camera's over his shoulder. Okay. That, if you look, it's like, yeah, that's not Michael J. Fox. 
but it's like literally a couple of frames. Right. So there you go. You're you're immortalized. There's Stoltz. <laughs> As the guy who was almost Marty McFly. Can we talk about the character of Marty McFly to just kind of start I, off? Or... I mean, like, I've got... I want to talk about characters I can't believe it, but I've got five pages of notes on this Holy movie. Holy shit. I have one, almost two. Uh, almost and two. Uh, we can talk about it when, in whatever way you want. Okay, I don't, I don't want to leave Marty McFly yet, because Marty McFly, to me, was never a dork. Marty McFly was always a cool guy, and I feel like the the proper way to view him in the context of this film is as a dork, and I I never got that feeling, and I don't know if it's due to him being, you know, kind, kind of dressing in cool clothes, right? He's got Nikes, he's like, he's very, looks very 1985 cool to me, but... Mm-hmm. Also, the the charisma, just the pure charisma of Michael J. Fox, does not say dork to me. It's weird because everyone else in his family are nerds and dorks, right? And he is. It's interesting because when he rolls out of bed after his family is now rich and famous and successful, he's dressed the same, and everybody's like recognizably like, "Oh yeah," and that's <laughs> uh, like, like you're the one and... thing that's remained constant. Right, you were the cool, successful, charismatic person that came out of this family somehow. See, that's that's what I don't get. Is he supposed to be like? Are they trying to portray him as cool and charismatic? I see him as kind of like a scene kid. You know, really? he's like the okay. heart. He's like the he. He. I don't think he's like popular. He wasn't a jock. He's like the yeah. guy that hangs out with the heavy metal dudes and they're he's got a garage band and you know people like him and know him, but he's not like winning class president and that kind of thing. But he goes back okay. to in 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 the nineteen fifty five and he's a he's a rock star, right? Yeah, because he's got like he can skate and he's got purple underwear and yeah. You know, he st- he has the inexplicable power of standing up the bullies. Um, no, it's interesting because it's right. It, it's hard to nail his character. And they make such a big deal throughout the movie about this idea of like father, like son. And he's so much like George McFly when he was a teenager. Sure. Um, I don't know if if their whole message here is one event can set you on a path that changes your, your trajectory of is. your life. And, it is. So so to me it's strange that he doesn't change at all given the end. So maybe they're saying like maybe this message is more about George McFly and less about Marty and that Marty is the anomaly within this family through all time periods mm-hmm. and that he's just a cool guy. Yeah. Um George McFly certainly was not that, but he became that when that one event didn't happen to him. So like People talk about Marty McFly as if he's a dork and kind of a, a poster boy for dorks made cool, dweebs dweebs being awesome in the 80s. I, I never felt that. Well, it could may, may I suggest something controversial? Perhaps okay. that you yourself watching this movie were a dweeb. Right. And, and I identify with seemed, Michael J. Fox seemed, and his character. He, so I'd tell, I would right. then submit to the court that uh, the character of Marty McFly is, in fact, a dweeb. Yes. So, Even though you didn't perceive him as such. That's interesting. I have that in my notes. I say maybe it's because my childhood was shaped so much by these types of <laughs> movies, and I identify with the activities that Marty McFly does, and therefore I don't see him that way. It totally could be it. And maybe the people of 1985 are going, look at this dork. He's skateboarding. What the fuck is that? Because yes, that's true. Because that was skateboarding was sure. fringe. And, and even then, like the really cool skateboards, it's still that holds up and is neat. Yeah. Like, if you imagine they make this in 2016. 
they're doing 380s and hot cross buns. They're doing ollies and all kinds of crazy shit. Right? I threw a couple snowboarding, right, that extreme hot... skiing things in there. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I mean, it would be so kinetic, it'd probably be like a off-putting. It'd be like triple X yeah. Vin Diesel bullshit. Whereas this is right. a well-constructed chase scene that has a couple of clever uses of skateboarding that was introduced early in the film. Like, that's another thing. Like, this movie is wound tight as a drum. Yeah. You got this guy, he's just goofing off down in, in school, or getting to school, and, and, like, in five minutes, they establish all of the life skills he'll need to succeed in the movie. He uh-huh. plays a guitar. He's in a band. He's frustrated because he wants to play fast and loud. He's got a skateboard, and he hitchhikes on people's vehicles and all he, this shit. He's also afraid of what people think of his music if he if he plays for people sure uh just like his father they set up so much of the family dynamic here yes um and and this really uh, what i think is the core message of the film is just how your family affects you um Mm. i i I think certainly it's also about confidence and and the the path not taken and stuff like that but yeah and how some of that stuff is is, almost inescapable too right unless you can go back and actually you know, in time and fix the fatal flaw that... Yeah, it's like some sort of desire fantasy, like uh-huh. uh, how we wish we could change our past and make ourselves better today for it. I thought in the climax of the... Or in the... I guess not the climax, in the fairly long epilogue to the movie, I found it somewhat unrealistic that so many things about Marty's life would change except for the core things... Right. Like your family is fundamentally more successful, but you have the same amount of kids. You're you living live in, in the, the same, same house. house. It's yeah. got better furnishings in and the whatnot. same neighborhood. Yeah, you've got uh, you've got the same girlfriend. Uh huh. Like all those the things that turned out differently, and yet only thing that's changed is literally the window dressing and the clothes that people are wearing. It, is it because it would be too tragic of an end for Michael J. Fox for Marty McFly to go back? as the same character and be put into an entirely new situation. Like, can you imagine his parents being rich and living in a different place and him still wanting a four by four Toyota as his dream car? Or what if they're rich and they're like, you know what? Let's not have three kids. Let's just have two. <laughs> right. He's and never he's lost born. A, he's lost a brother. Yeah, he did. Like, what no. the fuck? Well, I think he is the, the youngest, isn't he? Okay. He, he might be, I think he is. Yeah. But that would be funny if, like, he wrote himself out of his existence by putting his parents together too well. Right. I mean, obviously, that can't happen, but maybe, right. like... No, you're right. There could be some tragic... They didn't want more kids, and he was a mistake later on, and, like... Sure. They, he just doesn't have a middle brother or, or like, a middle sister or something. Sure. Uh, there, there, This has a lot of potential to end in tragedy, or at least some sort of, like, wah-wah moment. Yeah. Um, I'm glad they don't go there. Yeah. But but it does also feel a little too convenient that everything is, is still in place for him. Yeah. So perfectly. This is another one of these cool movies where I can clearly remember the first time I saw it, like, in the theater. And oh, wow. how okay. it was one of those. Because, like, these kind of movies didn't come around every fucking year. What do you mean when you say these kind of movies? It's got a cool car with, like, shit coming out of it. And it's science fiction. But it's also, like, something that you're parents would take you to because there's a lot of rated r mm-hmm. science fiction oh yeah but like you know something that the whole family's going to go to and you know it's going to it's not going to be boring or because mm-hmm. um, i remember as a kid watching raiders of the lost ark first for the first time 
and I was kind of too young for it because I found it alternately boring and really scary. Okay, you know, I, I like, can see that. Yeah, like if you if you face is melting, if, if and... you see Raiders of the Last Ark as a six year old, you might have a bad time. Yeah, because you need to be another th- couple years older, or at least a little bit more um, inured to to violence and and faces melting and stuff to enjoy just what a romp it is. Right, but this is like you could yeah three year old. There's nothing. I mean, this everyone can enjoy this. You're three if you're seventy three. Right. I mean, I. I there's some overtly sexual stuff in here that I think gets it. Is it rated PG thirteen? I don't know. Or is it just PG? Because I mean, obviously the stuff with Lorraine and Biff. I mean, that's yeah, but it's not super, and it's also portrayed in an incredibly negative light. Right. So it's like I feel like that's the important family. Like it's not that it's uh you know like there weren't any boobs and. It was just, it looks well, like I mean, you could you say, oh, see. she's just trying to, you know, you could tell, it's a, what do you tell your three, the four-year-old? They're just, she's just trying, he's trying to kiss her and she doesn't want to be kissed. Like, a, you know, four-year-olds know that. Right. But Aunt I, Petunia <laughs> comes over and is like, ah, no, I don't want to be kissed. I, I go to to A Bug's Life and I'm not expecting to see ants being raped. You or didn't see the graphic grasshopper on <laughs> Ant I, I Rape missed of, it, the, no. of the old Ant Queen? No, I missed that. You, you need to see the director's cut, man. Shit, you're right. That's where Dennis Hopper... <laughs> Let's really lose. comes into his own. Yeah, uh, but but you're right. This is this is a family movie, certainly. And uh, while I think I don't know if I would take people who are too young to understand the sexuality of it to it, I don't know that there's anything they would really get out of it because all these concepts well, are are pretty pretty. <laughs> I'm intense. just saying, my mom was an uptight Jehovah's Witness and had zero problems taking me, wow. my five year old sister, and my three year old brother to this movie, and we all had a great time. Wow. Okay. So, Even her? She didn't come away from it nope. like. Because that's the other things like. Ugh. I think it's consistent with her like 1950s values, you know? Right. Yeah. Because again, yeah, a guy was trying to take advantage of a girl, but number one, like if I want to get real, my mom's probably like, well, she was kind of acting slutty. And 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 therefore deserved it. Jesus. And number two, yeah. it all worked out in the end. So sure, whatever. Right. Uh, I guess yeah. So to to create tension, you need to give heroes opportunities to be heroic, even when that you opportunity shit. is her own son seducing her. Oh God, we can talk endlessly about yeah, how creepy she, this whole relationship is. So do you want to continue this topic with topic, or do you just want to like? Because I I seriously could just chronologically go by this movie blow by blow. Uh, I'm I'm okay with whatever. I've, I've okay. got stuff I want to talk about talk about, and in true time traveling fashion, if we need to, I'll loop back and catch it. Gotcha. All. But uh. One thing I want to point out is this movie begins with the Rube Goldberg machine, which right. I've always enjoyed ever since I was a little kid. I think it might be because the Ch- old children's museum in Indianapolis had a humdinger of one that the Purdue University guys have put together that you could yeah. actually. And I, I think they still have one. It's not as cool, but you could actually start it off and watch it do its whole thing. And like, I love playing mousetrap. So you start off, you got young Aaron hooked. I feel like it, it does an injustice to Doc Brown too early in the film. Why? Because I think that this this scene is also inserted for you to go, man, that Doc Brown, he must be a real kook. No, I I guess I I thought like you that's don't? like it's Pee Wee Herman. You're like, like this guy's yeah. squared together. His, he's got machines <laughs> making going. breakfast for him. All right, but it also introduced the mystery of like where to, like because clearly this stuff is right. working like a top, but. 
it's making breakfast for someone who has not been there for days and feeding right. the dog that's okay. not been there for days. Okay, I think I had a misconception because after thinking about it, uh, I did come to the same conclusion. Like, he's just not there and his toast is burning. And it's a it hell of a be. credit sequence, you And know? he's got Einstein later, we find out, sure. doing his time-traveling stuff. So, uh, yeah, I, I think he's just not there, not that this is a bad contraption. So Marty McFly steps into the scene with a skateboard mm-hmm. and he blows the fuck out of his he has wall. what i can only describe as an electric ukulele <laughs> this is the smallest plastic electric guitar i've ever seen in my life god it's like damn a it pocket electric and he plugs it in why does don doc brown have a massive world shattering speaker that's the real question here did he is do that what just to amuse marty yeah what experiments is he performing in here i can't I can't imagine. So he says, what does he say? He says, by the way, there's Marty, something wrong with Marty, don't plug it into the... the speaker because it's got a feedback loop that'll blow it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what he could possibly be using this for. Certainly not an experiment we've seen, but I think that's the whole point of this scene is that Doc Brown does a lot of experiments. A lot of weird experiments. Well, so I want to talk about something else. The f- I, don't, I don't know. The fundamental weirdness of a, of a teenage boy having an intimate relationship, and I'm saying intimate and in just like they're obviously very close friends to where Doc Brown can say, hey, uh, meet me at one thirty in the morning at this abandoned parking lot, and we'll do a science experiment. Like, Right. I've got, I got two feelings about this. Number one, I actually enjoy being friends with children. I like kids. Like I used to, in my old neighborhood – a lot of times I'd work out in the garage and this seven-year-old boy would ride his bike over and just shoot the shit with me. Mm-hmm. And he would talk. I think it I think it amused him that I was conversant with like modern video games and, and, and whatnot. So he could talk and yeah. you know, I could I could hang with him because he loved wrestling too. And we would talk wrestling and video games. <laughs> you were a while curiosity I'm, for this kid. Yeah, while, while I'm working. And then like sometimes it was annoying, but most of the time it was charm. So, and, and, but, and I don't know, like... I'm trying to think as a, if, if I was a 65 year old scientist, how does this 16 year old boy walk into my life, mm-hmm. and how are my parents not creeped out that I'm sneaking out of the house to go meet with him and clandestine? Like right. there's a little that's the other end of it. But there shouldn't be anything wrong with having a mentor type relationship, and right. I think there's an explanation in causality. You're right. Because there's this line where Mar- where Doc Brown says it's going to be really hard because we've gotten so close in this adventure. In 1955, it's going to be really hard going 30 years before I can talk to you or acknowledge any of this. Yeah. And, like, there's so much of this movie that has to happen because it had to happen that way. Mm-hmm. What if this is just a paradox? Right. Doc and- becomes friends with Marty because Marty went back in time and confided in him and they had this adventure together. And now there's super – Doc Brand can't share any of this, but that's why he took a shine to him. It makes perfect sense. Right, and and we just don't see you know their reintroduction no in the in the eighties because why would we? Well, we do. We when, start we oh, start after yeah. we we come into a, a time period where they're already they've already got reacquainted, they've already talked about this. Like, but Doc Brown can't say anything to him until he comes back from his adventure from adventure, and that's when he was revealed that yes, in fact, I read the note, I got the bulletproof vest. Wait, 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 wait. So let's go. Let's rewind to the beginning of this movie. Yeah, it becomes clear. The, Marty McFly is finding out about the time machine for the first time sure. in this scene with the Libyans. Sure. In he doesn't pl- understand anything that's going on, but wouldn't he already 
have known about this? Well, I don't know, know because in his time stream he had. Now it's arguable so Doc that Brown Doc Brown would, would know. That Doc Brown would know, know that one day I will invent. Which that's, but that's the thing. Like, if that's a mind fuck to think that Doc Brown knows that he's going to invent this time machine, he's just going to have to amass right. a fortune. Like, I just, I technology pop to do a squat so. on the couch and I eat Cheetos. Right, going like smug in the satisfaction that I will invent a time machine, and then I maybe never that's get around thing. to it doing up it. Up the time, yeah, right. yeah. But you don't know how. You just know somehow this flux capacitor is going to be key sure. to it. Right. Um, uh, so, so I guess Doc Brown could have that information, and he is merely running Marty through the paces of explaining what a time machine is and how it works, just because he doesn't want to blow his mind with, we already have done this. Stuff. Yes. You will go back to the past, and we will do this 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There, there's a lot of uh, conspiracy, like com- complicit in uh, – detaining information from him sure but i think it, it adds a almost sweet element to their story that it's uh yeah you know, this guy's waited 30 years to be reunited with his buddy again right what's that what's that fucking ryan gosling movie where he's time traveling or whatever <laughs> the time traveler's wife is that what it's called well there's yeah. a bu- there's surprisingly several but i okay. know one of them no that that was um shit that that was the original the hulk i can't remember his name he's the australian guy who plays the Delta operator in uh Yeah, Black Hawk I remember Down. seeing that. It's it's a lot like that, right? Like they have a relationship that one of them knows about, the other Come does back not. to me, Marty <laughs> <laughs> When will I see you again? Right. Uh sure. Uh can we talk about another one of his experiments in the beginning yeah, of that's this movie? Yeah, that very next very next bullet point, my friend. He, he blows the speaker, he gets knocked into the couch, the phone rings, which I love that. You know, you could see Doc Brown doing a lot of loud experimentation sure. in this, especially with a speaker that big. He needs a fucking fire alarm hooked up to his phone. I he like need, that little he touch. He needs to not have any neighbors is what he needs. Well, yeah. Uh, so he, he calls Marty up from another location and yeah. asks, like, he hears the clocks ringing at 8 o'clock mm-hmm. and goes, uh, what, what was that? And Marty's like, oh, it's 8 o'clock. The clocks are ringing. And he's like, precisely 25 minutes early. Or whatever he says. Yeah, the clocks are 25 the, minutes slow. The clocks are 25 minutes slow the because of time works. reasons. Uh, what experiment is he on about? Dude, I Can don't know. Can you fathom know. an experiment here? And I did 30 minutes of Googling, and every Reddit, every FARC, every message board of note, every fan <laughs> site has the same question, and no one can offer a satisfying, internally consistent explanation for what the fuck I mean, is there a, a best one you've heard? Like a maybe? No, because they They're all, all have like anything that you can come up with has like uh, well, it's a time experiment where he was verifying that time travel existed, and yet the first time he travels through time or he sends Einstein, he clearly makes it out that this is the very first time he's doing this. He, he claims know that Einstein that is the first time traveler. With yes. dialogue from the film. So he's either lying, which we know he's capable of. And like, what point would it prove to say, like, someone's like, well, maybe he sent these clocks back in the DeLorean, like, unmanned over seven. But, like, what the fuck does that prove? That they're all exactly 25 minutes? Did he shove them all in there? And then at which right, point? You don't spatially, have to wait. that you don't doesn't have, work. You don't because have to... he, would, he would see the clocks. Yeah. 25 minutes slow. He wouldn't have to then call from another location and find out. The clocks would be in the DeLorean. The best one, so there's two There's two bests. There's a best meta explanation, and there's a best actual in-universe explanation. Bring the me best the... best in, which one do yeah, you want first? The in-universe. 
The best in the universe is that if you notice all these clocks, there's there's wind up, there's mechanical, there's electric, there's digital. Oh, okay. And that all he right. precisely synchronized all of their various foibles and offsets so that it all converge at one time. So this is an experiment that he has gone and done after all the stuff has happened with Marty and after he's worn the bulletproof vest. Like, no, I don't know that. It would have to be because if he claims that Einstein is the first time traveler. This has nothing to we... do with time travel. This has to do with a man fucking with electronic and mechanical things to have them perfectly synchronized. Even though, like, no clock keeps time perfectly, right? Unless you got some atomic clock. Right. That he's calculated the offset for all of these various clocks and set them to where at a precise moment they'll all chime at a point. At, so at a... an experiment with clocks is are, are are you saying that it's entirely unrelated to his time travel or it's a pre- like an experiment in preparation for the time it's just travel him experiment? It's f- fucking around. But 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 the, it go it ties into the meta explanation which you need Marty to be 25 minutes late to school without making him seem like he's just right. a giant slacker because that's not the right image. Sure, so yeah. He's fucking around at the lab. He doesn't realize he's 25 minutes late, which puts him in hot water. The principal... Even though he's got his watch on his wrist. He's not looking at that. But, I mean, if you, to be fair, if you had 500 clocks... <laughs> and they're all saying And they're all saying the same time. Yeah. Like, I, that happened to me yesterday. My fucking clock was an right. hour behind... And I was late to pick up my son because my my work my, my my computer clock was off, and that was what I was looking at. Um, but no, what I what was I going at? Oh, and the only reason this happens is so you can set up his confrontation with the principal, so you can have yet another anachronistic meeting where it's like someone in authority says McFly, and they both spin around and act with the exact same expression. Okay, which is I, that's a good enough reason for me. So Marty McFly does not use we we do see him use his watch alarm at some point during this film right he goes into the diner he's yes. making a phone call his watch alarm goes off he tucks it behind his head so yes. nobody will see it yeah but he does not use an alarm to keep him from being late from school guess not he relies on the doc who is a lunatic again to be and, and also you know he just blew his eardrums out he can barely Fair. He Maybe can barely we are hear. put in the in the ears of Marty McFly there, and we don't hear it because he can't hear I it. I think that, to me, that's why uh, Marty has a bit of a shouty effect throughout the entire film, is because <laughs> he actually okay. permanently damaged his hearing. I like it. I mean, you got to think. If you, a sound wave is so powerful, it throws you back 20 feet. That's just yeah. your eardrum's gone. Here's here's my other explanation for it. I'll, I'll follow on to that one. Is that maybe this is going this, to be a long fucking podcast? Buckle in, people. Yeah, I, I love this movie. I can't not talk about okay. it. Okay. Uh, I I think you could also say that Doc Brown is now after the fact, after Einstein, after all the shit with the Libyans, he's now going back to try to more fully understand it, and he has set all the yes, clocks sure. in his house to be eight o'clock. He has jumped twenty five minutes into the future uh, as an experiment. To, to see something. I don't know. Everything ends in kind of a why? Well, because. And that's what I'm saying. Like, that's why ultimately they're all unsatisfying is because they're, the, they're not – you can't fall – some of the theories you just – like, they don't make sense with the first time travel. But then if you can time travel, then, yeah, he could come back. And But that's like – they're completely unfalsifiable. You don't have enough information in the movie to say whether they're true or not. Let me go with, with one uh, – one question I have about the nature of the time travel in this movie, and I don't, I don't want to talk completely about this the entire podcast because that it's been done. Do tell. It's on the internet. Go look it up. Uh, when Marty comes back 
from the past and back to the future and he's trying to save doc he the the delorean won't start um is that the universe correcting itself because we see like if he were to go back and save doc brown warn doc brown look doc uh you're gonna be killed we gotta get out of here the libyans are coming potentially marty could have never gone back to the past right to find all this stuff out uh and to save himself and his change his parents like because if he gets there and he warns them and they leave Mm -hmm. the libyans never chase him into the delorean he never hits 88 miles an hour he never goes back but unarguable then the then I mean, that, that's the whole So Doc Brown found a paradox, way around this right? by wearing a bulletproof vest, right? He doesn't change the time. Yes. Like, I'm wondering, is the universe keeping the DeLorean from starting, or is it just a shitty car? Well, that's, that's a popular theory, that the, 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 if, you do, if you do do time travel, that it's fundamentally impossible to affect the future because, you know, you, you have the grandfather paradox where you accidentally, fu- right. just like this movie, you accidentally fuck up to where your parents don't meet and now you don't exist. And it almost Which happened, means yeah. you weren't able to come back in time to do all the things that made that stuff to happen. However, uh-huh. in this movie, it seems like it's more of a pop sci-fi where you yeah. can't affect the future. You just can't alter the critical time stream that allowed you to. Um, and I don't know because I, yeah. I remember reading um, Stephen Hawking's uh, Brief History of Time, isn't it? That's his name. Uh-huh. He talks about some of these things, like what if you shot a pool? You yourself shot a corner pocket in pool. And then you came back in from the future and, like, put your hand to block it. Like, was is there some physical force that would prevent you from doing that? Or... I think the grandfather analogy works better. No, but, I mean, I forget, like, paradox. why that... I don't know, because I, 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 it's been a long time since I read that book. But there, I felt like that that scenario he laid, laid out made me really appreciate the hard sci-fi limitations of, of science fiction... Or of time travel. Right. Right. If I could it's, remember it's the whole tricky. anecdote, you'd all be like, "Ooh, ah, that's Stephen uh, Hawking, smart guy." And it it really becomes more interesting when you say, "Okay, none of these characters are going to interact with themselves, uh-huh. uh, and none of these characters are going to um, give information to other people that might alter it in the future." Like it's it's tricky to construct something, and I don't think they've done it here. I think there are a lot of holes in this movie. Sure, um, but it's tricky to construct something that's bulletproof. Uh, I, I feel like. Well, I'll save my recommendation for the end. Well, speaking of paradoxes... Okay. I have a couple more things. Why did I think that Elizabeth Shue was Marty McFly's They recast girlfriend? her. In in number two, they recast, um, I think, Elizabeth Shue as, as Cause, Jennifer. Because, yeah, and, and this Jennifer is played by this Claudia Wells, which I, like, that genuinely shocked me. Because I just watched two and three within the year. Yeah. And I remember, like, oh, shit, Elizabeth Shue. I didn't know that she played Marty's girlfriend. Wow. Because she was, like, you know old childhood flame of mine yeah uh okay so they recast her right which brings up old claudia wasn't getting the job done needed (laughs) to bring in fresh face elizabeth shoe i don't know why i felt like jennifer was fine i didn't have a problem with jennifer what's wrong with jennifer nothing why why recast her such a sweet girl i think they should have done it in number one i think when he comes back he has a different girlfriend oh why not? That would have been hilarious if he comes back. And we actually see Jennifer and Elizabeth Shue at the end of the movie, right? Like Why not? in a Twilight Zone, like this isn't right. Yeah, kind of way. Still uh, same name and everything. <laughs> Probably same parents, but there was a little bit difference in the sperm and the egg, and you yep. got Elizabeth Shue now. Uh, can can we talk a little bit about Crispin Glover because this brings sure. up the topic of Crispin Glover? Uh, so apparently in the sequels, Crispin Glover 
bowed out. He was like, I'm not going to do this. He's not. What? He is not in number two. They made up an actor to look like him. Holy shit. And they did a great job. He is in number three, though, isn't he? No. He is in neither of the sequels. Wow. Unless it's like stock footage from the old film. Okay. Like archive footage. But he is not in either of those, which is surprising given, you know, you kind of see his character. Sure. So he had an objection to the way that they ended this movie because Marty McFly comes back and his whole thing was uh, instead of showing like this happier family life, which I, I think they do show, they kind of equated money with happiness at the end of this film. And he took a real strong objection to that. And he brought it up with Zemeckis and he brought it up with the producer and no, no and everybody was like, point. no, go fuck yourself. He's okay. got a bit of a point. I, I do want to talk about this because... Okay. And, and even the, now that I'm thinking about it, he's also kind of morphed into this similar type of bully that Biff was. Like him and Biff With is essentially his, it's a flip switch places, which is yeah. not... That's not healthy or sane. No. Uh, it's, it's certainly Biff's, not what I Biff's consider Biff's the toady wholesome. and he's the, the bully now. Right. Uh, so I could see it from that angle. I, I took a different message away from the end of this. I didn't equate money equals happiness. What I equated here was confidence, confidence equals happiness. Equals and success. The equals way, happiness, yeah. Right. And the money is a byproduct of his newfound confidence and their newfound happiness in their family. Good it point. has nothing to do with money is the, the true root of happiness here. That's a good point. And I'm, uh, and I, I, I'm, I'm kind of back on the what the fuck. Uh, yeah, what the fuck, Glover? What's what's up with that? Yeah, uh, but yeah, apparently he took a real dislike to the end of this film, huh? You know, he seems like a very extreme guy. Like he does. once he got yeah. in as mind that something about it is wrong, I don't think there's any force on earth that you could talk him out of it. Right, right. I, I wonder if people have brought this up. Like, I didn't read interviews with him. I. I read his general feeling on it. It seems as, like a pretty minor point to get your panties in a wad over and especially refuse when I, to participate in sequels. Now, if he, I, I thought you were going to say that he's just he took himself as this serious oh, no, uh, no, no, weirdo no. actor that wasn't <laughs> going to participate in blockbuster sequels. I would have believed that because he's what, kind of a weird guy. What is Crispin Glover as a human being? Because I, I have know. seen... So I've seen his performances in a few movies. I've seen a few of his interviews, which are really uncomfortable. Oh my and god! Weird. David Letterman interview that mm-hmm. he did. I, I watched a few of those. And is he's that the one just... about the rat movie? The rat movie? Yeah, I think that the, the one you're talking about is he. He oh, actually made a movie remember. about. It was a, what was it called? It's not Wilfred. Shit. There's a movie about. Uh, anyway, I think the Bible goes west. <laughs> no, it's the, you know, it's not the great mouse. The secret of Nim. Stop it. Uh, it's about it's a horror movie about a boy who's uh, friends with rats, and he was the the lead in that. I think it was for that. Okay, I think I know what you're talking about, but I'm not sure of the name. Uh, but I it makes me wonder like, is he a weird guy who just has some strange uh, ways? Willard. 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 Yeah, yeah. Who who has some strange ways of expressing himself, or is he a troll? I, you know, because we were talking about this, and I'm like, you know, I think if you or your brother were rich or famous, you would do this kind of shit. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't do know this. if you have the the balls, Let's the say emotional it. wherewithal to be in that uncomfortable because, like, yeah, I think Tom Green's a massive asshole, but I will say it takes a lot of like either a social defect or a lot of just uh, a, the capacity to withstand a bunch of emotional pain. Right. To do some of the shit that he pulls. 
And like I said, I don't know if you guys would have yeah, that kind of wherewithal to do it, but your natural inclination would be to, oh, I'm on a Dave Letterman show. Mm-hmm. There's this rich and famous person. I'm doing this press junket that I probably hate. I'm just going to fuck with people. Right. The world's your oyster. Like, just do whatever you want. And, like, I don't know. I, I compare it more to Andy Kaufman. Like, sure, it's all kind of in the same genre, but Andy Kaufman did it first, and he did it best. And Kaufman's a better example than Tom Green because he's an actual genius. Yeah, right. Sure. Uh, so I don't. I can't tell with Crispin Glover. I get the feeling that it's genuine that he's just this guy, uh, and that his his you know kind of off put way of interacting with interviewers is just him. Uh, there's a couple of other minor points that I want. I don't really want to care. One, I'll notice that the aging makeup job does not survive the transition to Blu-ray very well. Right. Like my the copy, we, like the principal's neck. He looks like someone <laughs> like he survived someone slitting his throat. Yeah. And Doc Brown with too. a with a flaming knife, like a horrific yeah, burn. Like and someone a took slice. a lightsaber and he didn't get all the way through. <laughs> um it and, and Doc Brown's old makeup job, which Christopher oh, yeah. Lloyd needed at the time, was t- is terrible. It's mm-hmm. like the makeup effects because they didn't expect people to be able to get that close with that kind of grain, I guess, uh don't yeah. hold up super well. Yeah, it's uh, amazing to me that you can look at the the film footage, like the dailies or whatever yeah. that come out of that and go It'll look good in standard. I mean, def. but that's what they do. It'll like, look good like, on the screen, especially on old t- television. I just they I have no idea how that, that shit. Right, but I yeah. have no idea how, as a director in the moment, you go, "Yep, that'll look fine." Well, probably because the daily thing you're viewing it on is is far uh, less detailed yeah, yeah. than. But yeah, I, I worry right. about the opposite. Like, is this going to like when on this is blown screen. up on 35 millimeter on a 70 foot screen? Yeah, um, it makes me wonder. Like, did that actually look that bad on the big screen? I don't know. I don't remember. I think it's okay. it, it's a symptom of being that close to 55-inch plasma Yeah, uh, with that kind of stream. So 60-inch plasma. Thank you very much. Oh, see? Even <laughs> five more inches. Uh, can we talk about how weird the Save the Clock Tower campaign is? All right. This lady coming up who, rattling a coin like, thing. Who the fuck campaigns to keep something broken? Like, I mean, I guess it'd be Historic, like the Liberty right? Bell. Like, nobody right. wants to fill in the crack on that. But sure. I just felt like it's weird. Like, your clock got straight. They're not talking about tearing it down or fundamentally changing how it's looking. They just want to get the clock to run. Right. Right. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, mean, obviously, it you needs know, from to a happen. historic perspective, sure. It needs to happen so that he gets the flyer yeah. and so all that. Okay. Flyer leads me somewhere else. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll get there. I, before you still want to, okay. yeah, because I want to talk about. Do you understand Marty and Jennifer's relationship? That's where I'm going. Yeah, um, because no, not on, not in any way. It, it's 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 both true that like you write your name and phone number on a piece of paper. That's like I first met you. That's like Goodwill Hunting. How do you like them apples? Uh huh. And yet they're talking about tomorrow going up to the lake and spending the night and fucking. Right. Those are completely mutually incompatible ideas. And she also gets a little uh, uncomfortable when he starts talking about laying out under the stars. She's like, oh, none of that. Like, if your parents knew, that sort of stuff. Like, But she's is that also, because... like, some somehow, like, she's coming on and pumping the brakes. And, like, right. he's trying to put his hand around her waist. And she's, like, brushing it off. And so... yet she's also saying, I forget exactly what, but she made that pretty provocative, I think, uh pun or something i flirting i don't know 
So I think there are two things going on here. I think one of them is the disapproval of their parents, uh, specifically Lorraine. Uh, Marty's mom does not they approve of their relationship. Which is right, right, which is hilarious given the context later. Uh, but I think the other thing going on here is maybe that's a number for somewhere else. Like it's not her number. Mm. It's a number of where she'll be. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. The other, or, or, all, or it's all, like, the other theory I don't is know. Uh, Doc Brown's coming back in DeLorean and fucking with Marty. He's changing the timeline subtly. So where she doesn't remember, remembers him. And <laughs> right. it changes several times in the conversation. Uh, like, uh, yeah, you could see Doc Brown meddling in the past and conversations just going bonkers, like the current timeline. So we're talking about this being a tight little film. I have uh-huh. a problem. And under what circumstances would a rich, well-off Biff borrow Marty McFly's dad's shitty car and then wreck it? Yeah. To fuck with him? To like, troll him? I get that you have to have Biff there to establish the relationship, but... So here's what I think happens. He could just be there to pick up the report that he was supposed to copy for him. Like, there's a built-in reason. What the fuck is the direct car is a problem for Marty? Like, have the sister wreck the car. Like, Biff, why is Biff wrecking his car, man? Is the idea that Biff is kind of a loser still? He's not really rich and well-off? And... I, I think so. I think Biff is kind of still just an asshole that nobody likes. Oh, and that's right, because in Back to Future 2, he wasn't rich because he was a genius. He they, it was the almanac. Yeah. So he was just a kind of sleazy guy who I think so. yeah. was working at the same place that or, McFly was working. I have at. an alternate theory. Yeah. So we see in 1955 Biff has a group of dudes around him, right? Yes. One of them wearing is, one of them is wearing 3D glasses. Yes, that's accurate. He borrowed George's car, gave it to the guy wearing 3D glasses and the fucker crashed it cuz he can't see a okay. goddamn thing. <laughs> I think the big problem is I thought that Rich, I presumed Rich was the Biff was rich. Yeah, I guess not. Because also, I, I I thought that Marty's mom and dad were rich, but I don't think they are. I think they're just solid not. middle class and maybe going to be rich because of his book deal. Yeah, maybe. But you know, all they I can say B, is they got a BMW, but they're living in a modest house. And, right. Yeah, they bought her son a new car. That happens. And my doesn't mean they're rich. I mean, I go in the, I walk in their living room, and it is quintessential mid eighties. Oh yeah. California living room like these pastels and wicker furniture and these porcelain lamps like adobe style lamps like my parents living room looked exactly like that. sure I think we had that couch (laughs) maybe so Uh, maybe so okay so I've got a lot more to say about the style uh, Uh coming up here in a bit Um, can we go to the dinner scene yeah, that's what I was at then right now, where they're okay. all sitting there, and she's, uh, Lorraine is f- fondly reminiscing about the fish under the sea dance. Uh, and I'm like, is there any possible way that just punching Biff in the face makes this kind of a radical turnaround in your life? Because McFly's yeah. dad, what's his name? It's not George. George McFly is the fucking worst. He is. He, he's, I mean, he's, I can't imagine, it'd be a nightmare to have him as a father, to have him as a of husband, yeah, to have him as a friend, he's just like this caricature of a terrible, nerdy, broken human being. Yeah, and I, I think they do enough for me to believe that this moment could have changed his life. I mean, okay, w- we see that you know they they give a lot of history, um, and that's one thing this dinner scene does really well is connect the dots and give you a lot of like like father like son moments, and also just a lot of backstory that we then later refute with the actual facts as right. seen in 1955 
it's it's really a masterpiece of tight storytelling here and foreshadowing. Um, but the other thing, like I think with George McFly, he he really builds on that confidence from that one moment, right? Like we don't see the interim thirty years, but that one moment showed him that he could be confident and that he could win the day. And so extrapolate 30 years from then, I think he could become a completely different person. Mm -hmm. Um, And and they do at the dance also, they do a moment where he is kind of fitting, he's kind of settling into his newfound role as confident George McFly. Right, because he almost flip-flopped when the the redhead cut in on him. Yeah, and Marty's disappearing and laying on the ground, and George comes back in and shoves... See, he's already starting into the bull. He's he's flipped he into is. the bully role. He could have been like, right. hey, take off, hoser. But no, he just grabs guy by his face and shoves him down. You're right. Kicks You're right. George face. McFly, at the end of this, not a good guy. Eh. More confident, more successful. I'm not saying not, nicer guy. family, and but... Biff is still an asshole. And so was that guy for cutting in on him. <laughs> Maybe he's just dispensing rough street justice to All people right. that needs it. I could buy that. I mean, he's not an asshole for kicking... Biff's ass in the first place. No, stop no. the rape for Christ's sake. Yeah, uh, can we talk about the DeLorean? Okay, yeah. One thing I've wondered as a man now, because I look back and I always thought the DeLorean is cool. Sure. And Doc Brown says if you're going to build a time machine, why not do it in style? Was the DeLorean really a cool car, or do I only think it's cool because because Doc Brown I don't question. is not a cool guy, although he does have taste good taste in cars. Uh, yeah, he his does. 1955 ride was. So he but, bought it with uh, his inheritance, right? Uh, he spent. Well, he said he spent all of his family's considerable fortune into the time machine. Right. I think uh, if you look at some of the articles, like he inherited a bunch of land and then he sold it off. Yeah. Or, or maybe his father did, and then he inherited that money. But I'm trying to think of like, is the De- was the DeLorean ever ever a legitimately cool car, or was it like a niche kind of gadget? You know, like a nerd yeah. would think it's a cool car. It's impossible for me to say. Like it was such a limited run. Um, and it was, you know, uh, just so unconventional. Like if it was a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, I'd be like, oh yeah, it's a cool car. There's still cool cars, but the line it like right. funk now. It's like, and like it wasn't a hipster, that fast. A hipster nerd car. Yeah, exactly. it wasn't like a supercar. It's like a fucking Datsun, right? A stainless steel Datsun. <laughs> yeah, it was made out of some cool space age material. Which I give Nissan three three hundred Zs are fucking cool cars now, but like I, my dad had a fucking Datsun. Right, it was not a cool car. It looked. It kind of looked. cool It's like and the racy. Mazda Miata, right? Like it looks kind of cool. Like mid nineties. I wouldn't say a Mazda Miata. They're fun to drive. I wouldn't call them cool. They look sporty, whereas a lot of cars in that sure. period don't. Sure. Um. It, but mean, but it's also a very mid range car. Is a Subaru WRX cool. Uh. It's fast. It's techy. It is fast. I don't know that it looks as cool. I wouldn't call it a cool car though. Right. I mean, respect if, if you're you got a gearhead. One, maybe that's what I'm but, saying. Like that, but you know, right, cool is know. like five year old boy like goes holy shit when he sees it going down the street. I can tell you for sure there were posters on a lot of walls of this car. So, mm-hmm. regardless of whether it was cool before this movie or not, it certainly was afterwards. I'm excited because I feel like we'll get feedback. Yeah, yeah, people there's, who are maybe like a, ten years older than yeah, us there's and, like fifty five, sixty yeah. year old guys would be like, hell yeah, I was lusting, and, and and please disclose whether you were a nerd or not because that that makes that a helps. difference. Yeah. Uh, I also, one thing I forgot about the dinner scene, real quick. Sure. Marty's sister looks like a fucking Fred Armisen Portlandia character dressed in drag, right? 
Yeah, and she's not the right. hottest girl in town just because your dad punched Biff when you come back to the future, kid. Right? I mean, like they, I, they sure her hair and clothes are not helping her. My yeah, God, sure. But you come back, and I, I don't know. She's all right, I guess. She's, yeah, she's no longer Fred Armisen dressed in drag, exactly. But my God, the way they dress her in the the pre time shift eighties, whew. I, I got some kick out of like some of the just plot air like he's like would you like to witness the birth of christ he puts in december 25th zero zero or whatever right and i'm like that which at the very least gives you less than a day to get to where jesus was born sure. from the u.s with no boats sure <laughs> how do you yeah, what's your you're plan not here witness man the birth of christ you're going to witness first of all yeah def- if, if you think jesus you're gonna witness born your on own december scalping, 25th of any year uh-huh. You're out of your goddamn mind. And also, isn't it like modern scholarship now saying that the historical Jesus, if there was such a first right. person, was born like in the year 2 BCE? Oh, is he? Okay. Like they're like not even on, on the whole – our whole calendar is a lie. Right. And I think also I, I mean, the just signing of the Declaration of Independence, July – I don't even think that's true. I think it was actually signed like July 3rd or something. I, I, really? I don't know. That might be – don't, don't, don't you, put that on your history uh, uh uh, quiz well, well you don't even have to leave the universe to say he couldn't have witnessed the uh the birth of christ that's I mean, what spatially saying. it doesn't work right you need to put the delorean on a on a truck uh-huh. on a cargo container drive across the atlantic up the mediterranean yep. into israel go to bethlehem and then and take then a wild a day guess to try to find the manger that he was born at yeah yep. anyway uh one point, uh, Jesus, uh, 1.21 gigawatts. Gigawatts, classic. Is it the biggest plot hole in the film that this <laughs> brilliant physicist and this scientist can't pronounce gigawatt? L- let me ask you this. Have was you there ever no, met... Was there no science advisors like, no, okay, no, no, <laughs> it's, it, it's the hard G versus the, the soft G? Have you ever met a really good programmer who you respected and thought was a good programmer? And they called a GIF a GIF. Well, to be, I mean, it, the I, I call it GIF, but the correct right. pronunciation is actually GIF, right? So, which is stupid. So I can't really fault him sure. too much because or the guys that per- insist on saying SQL instead of SQL. I'm <laughs> right. like, did you just fall right. off a turnip truck? What the fuck, dude? Yeah. So I, I mean, you know, it's always bothered me uh-huh. that he says gigawatt. I think it's But funny. it's always been funny. Yeah, it's always been like a weird personality quirk for Doc Brown that I liked it. <laughs> also, uh, I, I learned that plutonium looks like Robitussin. <laughs> right. What, did he tint the plutonium red? <laughs> Is plutonium a liquid? No, it's not. I it's know. a fucking metal, man. Right. It's Come not on. mercury. No. It's not liquid at room temperature. What no. the fuck are you doing? Does it need to be stored in a little glass container? I don't know. Now, it it's could be plutonium. like because there's a... I feel like there's another element when you're doing fusion, like tritium or tritium, Mm -hmm. that maybe you could put in, or maybe that's like a moderator. But I mean, they make it seem like that is the the plutonium that's coming out of the case and into the the reactor. I don't know. And he's wanting to go 25 years into the future to see the progress of mankind. (laughs) Uh, We've got the internet, Doc. Right. And that's about it. Like, what is he vastly. Well, everyone. Maybe he expects. A very little amount of progress. Now Look he at comes this fucking back. Movie. They think we're going to have flying cars and shit. We don't have anything. He comes back with pure anachronisms, Re- regardless of whether you compare like twenty-five years ago to the change that happened sure. up until nineteen eighty-five. Like nineteen sixty 1960 to nineteen eighty-five, 
no flying car shit happened. Yes. Not well. The moon. The mo- the fucking moon landing happened. Well, that, I mean, I feel like that's, that's the one that's thing tough is to like, refute. <laughs> uh, the technology in aerospace came so far so fast, but then yeah. kind of hit a wall and like well, right. it's kind of dumb to send people into space. Let's not do it so much. Um, I mean, there's nothing stopping us from going to Mars, and we just don't. Sure. Um, but like all the tech turned inward, like more mm-hmm. efficient uh, computerization. Like no one saw the internet. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's completely missed predictions. Yeah, on all parts. I mean, hoverboards, flying cars. I feel like movies have gotten better at holograms. that lately. Movies set in the near future do not do the flying car trope. Like you have to be a hundred plus years in the future before right. you have flying yeah. cars and fucking androids and shit. Yeah. Now I would be comfortable extrapolating like a lot of robotics uh-huh. into our future, like so, AI and stuff. Like her is a pretty good example. Like I, I think we'll get pretty close to that pretty soon mm-hmm. um within maybe a 25 year window oh yeah but, ai is going to be and then who knows and like self-driving cars sure. and like all, all sure. electrics and stuff like that but yeah they really so here's my question about it i think doc brown's plan to only go 25 years in the future is a good one because yes. what happens how long into the how far into the future do you go on your first jump into the future that's a good that's a good point because there's a lot of scary shit jumping into the future like with the past you at the very least know you're not going to spring into an uninhabitable earth for instance well Uh, you don't because what if a what if the next day the earth gets hit by a comet the size of texas and literally it's the surface of the earth is now a volcanic hellscape but if you're going into the past it doesn't matter past fine i'm you said future no if i said future i misspoke i I meant at least going into the past you know none of that is going to happen yes you're right with the future you're right you could jump a day into the future, and yep. the Earth could be completely uninhabitable. You could be breathing methane. Sure. Uh, you don't fucking know. Yeah. No, I mean, like I said, I mean, nowadays it seems like it's getting less and less likely that – I mean, I used to keep me up at night, the idea of something would smack us. But I feel like now we've got almost like we've, – we've actually got a handle on that. Enough smart people are like, oh, shit, that's right. And we can just – you know, and the, we've, we've pretty much cataloged everything that could wipe out Earth. And if one was going to hit us, I think we could come up with a plan to, to – to nudge okay. it out of the way. Yeah, I mean, that's but you know, Doc still Brown's nuclear time, fallout and Doc all Brown, shit. Oh, sure. Who, I mean, I can't. What can... fuck. And then he talk about a scary anachronism that's not. Can you believe that 30 years after the movie, uh, the fact that they're using some kind of Middle Eastern terrorist plot that's still completely right. relevant to our world? Yeah, in this movie, it's the Libyans in uh the real world we're worried about yeah, like more. you make a movie in uh, 1945 Iranians. about the nazis still being around in 30 years people be like ha, ha, ha. And, right. and they'd be proven right but like uh-huh. we that's still something we deal with that's uh not libyans right uh so uh, so, uh, so to speak but what what would be your plan like let's say i give you a time machine i can say you can jump into the future you can jump into the past uh you you get tired of the past stuff right like that's all fun good you're Fine, you go back, you found Microsoft, you become uh-huh. a billionaire, whatever. You're jumping into the future for the first time. What's your plan? I think 25 years is actually a pretty good plan. Oh, man, that's risky. Why? It's it, At no point years? in human history has humanity completely morphed into something different in 25 years. 100 years, you, you start going from like horse and buggy to cars or electricity to you know, right. not electricity. But but there's acceleration. I mean, we've we've seen... A lot of acceleration in discoveries and in technology. And, like, I would be worried that five, 25 years in the future is a little too much. I might go 5, 10. 
Just test the water. See how things look. But you only have take, so much take, plutonium, and you don't know that, like, that's the other thing. It's like, I wish we discovered fusion reactors, right. much less have one running on rotten bananas that can fit in a car. But uh-huh. I don't know. What's your – so five, ten years, you think? Because well, I think okay, five that, years that is, is disappointing. An, that is an interesting constraint. Like, like, like the you amount are of living in the year 2007. Uh-huh. You're now in 2015. How excited are you? Right. Uh, Half-Life 3 still isn't out. Excited. Shit. Right. I mean, Duke Nukem Forever is shit. Yeah, no, really. That's like it's almost pop culture trivia questions you could answer there, right? Um, and it's much safer to go back in time to mm-hmm. make a whole bunch of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I'm not actually sure about that. It might be safer to go into the future a little bit, get some information that can make you some money in the present. Well, you could come back you, 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 because you risk changing too much in the past well also to where none of this shit even happens and also you, you could set up like some kind of legal trust or instrument that you would always have money in the future uh-huh. or probably have money in the future and you've also got a much better chance to be able to affect a repair to your sophisticated time machine in the future than if you go back to ancient egypt right. just to see them build the pyramids and like oh That's shit your your uh magneto or your you, know, you fucking cracked a spark plug how you fix that. Right. I mean, it's Back to the Future 3. Sure. <laughs> That's well, exactly the premise. Uh, yeah. But I- I'm talking about it from like a paradox causality ah. uh, avenue, right? Like, uh-huh. I'm going back in time, and I think I'm going to make myself a billionaire in the future. Instead, I accidentally kill myself. I cause some chain of events that sure. makes makes me irrelevant, and I never come into being. Uh, I feel like going into the future a year, t- picking up on the hot stock tips, and then going back... Uh-huh. And and doing that over and over, but you're right. You have a limitation of plutonium. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you get around that because it seems like they have what eight eight charges, and they use two of them in this movie. Imagine if you have a time machine. Stealing shit would be fairly trivial. Good point. So good point. I yeah. think that that you could once you the, the trick would be getting your hands on the first plutonium to make it happen. But once you got that, I mean if, at the bare minimum you could just <laughs> well, So you're like a guy who invests in more wishes, right? Like you use yeah. your plutonium to seek out more plutonium. When you get low on plutonium, you I think you do it thinking, right away. Do you? Okay, I think you get stockpile. a stockpile. Okay, yeah. yeah, you don't want to wait till you get low cuz what if it doesn't work? Right. <laughs> what happens if like so he stole the plutonium in the first place somehow? Uh-huh. Wouldn't he just go back five minutes before the original Doc Brown stole it and stole it again, or would that cause a causality loop? Ah, uh, that's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> so if you use plutonium that you haven't yet stolen, yeah, you can't. You just can't go back to the same well in time and keep stealing plutonium. That's the thing because we were watching this and um, I was like, I think I was talking about how they're running out of plutonium or whatever, and you said, "Well, we know that Doc gets shot. We know uh-huh. that Marty drives away." Marty's watching this happen. He can run in, grab the plutonium, keep trying this over and over. That 10-minute window he gave himself isn't enough, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because he has an infinite supply of plutonium just sitting there on the ground. Yep. He can try this as many times as he needs to get it right. Which that's now you're talking about violating But then I'm talking about the DeLorean maybe being the cause of him not not getting there, controlled by the universe or time or whatever. Plus, matter can't be created or destroyed if you're essentially creating more matter. You like are, there's some yeah. entropy problems here as well. Right. Anyway, uh, we need Stephen Hawking's in here so he can tell us why we're fucked. Uh, so he goes back to the future. Uh, first of all, surprising the Volkswagen bus performance. Oh, yeah. It can, I mean, up until you get to 80, it can keep up with you and 
carve corners like that DeLorean. I'm starting <laughs> to think that DeLorean was not that cool of a car. Well, I'm starting to think <laughs> the machinery that Doc straps to it is extremely oh, heavy. Oh, yeah. Extraordinarily a heavy. nuclear reactor in the, in the trunk. He's replaced all the stainless steel with lead. Like, <laughs> you have to, right? I guess. You gotta have that thing shielded. What no, are you, he specifically reaver? mentions like stainless steel being the perfect yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. condenser for its side to yeah, dissipate. Uh, I actually think that the actual traveling back in time effects are pretty cool. Although oh, I yeah. will say that Doc Brown, if you don't know that this is going to work, and you do seem surprised that the car disappears and bursts into flames, don't fucking stand in front of it. What the, I mean... I know! Like, yes, if your calculations are correct, but what if they're wrong? If they're wrong, you're dead. If they're correct and you wait too long, you're dead. Uh... Like, he just barely jumps. He he grabs Marty, and they jump out of the way of the DeLorean as it comes back, because he waited a full minute. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that thing at the Tina Fey movie. It's like, you see you see something brown on your knuckle, and like, is that chocolate or poop? <laughs> you don't taste it. You don't it. look, because, yeah, if it's chocolate, all well, but what if it's poop? Yeah. What are, you, what are you doing, man? I'm with you. There's a very, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. Like, this Peabody Farm sequence with the... Oh, yeah, let's talk about this. With, with the, I mean, it's just so hilarious, because Marty's wearing this full radiation suit, He's driving what looks like a spaceship. When the yeah. wi- when the thing opens, it looks like he's like, it's got no wings, but then it's got wings. <laughs> right. It's so fucking good. And it sounds like he's mutated in the human form. It's it's great. Yeah, uh, and so there's a, an Easter egg here that I don't know. I certainly didn't notice. I don't know if you noticed it, but uh, Marty has this interaction. The guy chases him off with the shotgun. He drives a DeLorean out. He runs over one of the pines. This guy... He's a pine breeder. He is invested in these fucking pines. Like, yeah. he's not worried about his family. He's not worried about the cows in the barn. He screams, my pines, what? as Marty runs one over. And here's the coolest thing. The the sign, when he comes back from the future, it's uh, the Twin Pines Mall is yeah, now sure. the Lone Pine Mall. Yes. Yep. Which is awesome. But it also tells me, what the fuck is this guy's plan? If he's farming pines and he only has two pines and he, one of them gets knocked out, he well, doesn't plant more pines. He says that Crazy Peabody was a pine tree breeder. Right. He didn't say cultivator. Not a farmer. Not he didn't say farmer. Not like those. He didn't say agriculturist. He said breeder. Like I feel like there's some kind of freakish pine experiments going on here. Because okay, you know, yeah. Because also, if you got yeah, two pines does not a farm make. No. And the unnatural attachment to them, I think he's fucking these pines. I do think so. I think, I think so. Is. There's some knots, and there's some round, there's some smooth branches, and unspeakable things are happening. <laughs> uh, question: You go back to the future, right? How long Wait, back, you to go to, back to the future or past. back? To, okay. How long does it take you to fucking? And this is my thing about zombie movies and a lot of different things. How long does it take you to just fucking accept the circumstances from which you find yourself? That's a good question because it's not tedious in this movie because it's mostly entertaining. But I just watched this film called Triangle. That's a horror film that deals. You should you should watch it because it's interesting. Okay. It deals with a lot of causality and loops that you can get stuck in and like. I don't know, kind of hard sci-fi horror movie involving a boat in the tropics and whatnot. Nice. Uh, But what drove me crazy about this movie is that a lot of the premise was, a lot of the action was driven by these people's unwillingness to consider that something fucking weird was happening to them, even upon mounting evidence. And Marty does the same shit. 
Like the newspaper is what finally sells you, you dumb fuck. If you yeah, put me back the- in nineteen eighty five Mooresville, Indiana, I would immediately know this is nineteen eighty five Moores or if I was in nineteen eighty five Mooresville you put me back in nineteen fifty five, I'd immediately know it because like, oh shit, the Kroger's isn't there. Right. Like he drives out to his family's house and he suddenly slams on the brakes because all there is is the like the lions outside. But you didn't notice that there's nothing but cornfield until you got there? <laughs> like Christ, man. Like, yeah. I get it's unbelievable, but also the scientist guy told you you're in a time machine. He sent his dog back. A and car disappeared. Magical burst in the flames machine with his dog that came back. I mean, like, what more do you need? Right. The evidence fairly quickly mounts, I think. Um, yes. But I, you're right. The newspaper is not what does it. Actually, I think going back to the town and seeing all the changes there probably would do it for me. Yeah. Um, I flatter to think to myself that if, like, even if I had something crazy, like aliens, or uh, that if I was actually in a crazy situation like that, I wouldn't spend 15 minutes like, oh, this can't be real. This can't be. This has got to be a dream. But that's, like, such a trope. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's when, <laughs> when we get exceptional ri- things happening require exceptional evidence and... I think he gets it before the newspaper. I want to make like an but, an, like a, like a scream style deconstruction of the time travel or the movie where someone's just like, okay, this is fucked up, and I'm going to roll with it instead of spending 15 minutes like a landed fish. Okay, like I'm back in the past. I'm just now. I'm going to make this happen. This is like a short. I don't know. It could be 90 minutes. <laughs> Once you get past the first part of that, doesn't it just become every time travel movie? Like, well, it's sure. That's like okay. I mean, the genre awareness of Scream is is not the only interesting thing about it. Like, how right. dare you insult my future writing? <laughs> Sorry. Uh. Anyway. Uh. Can can we stay on time travel? Oh, a little bit here. One 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 piece of detail about is okay. Marty a nerd? Oh, he's right. got a Casio calculator watch, but he that also is... has a Walkman. He also has a Walkman. I had a Walkman, and I was a hardcore nerd. Okay. I'm Fair. telling you, Casio watch is indicator A1 that you are, in fact, a nerd. It's a calculator watch, too, It's a calculator watch. Yes, it oh is. Oh, my God. You're yes, right. it is. Definitive proof. Marty McFly is a dork. He was a dweeb. He was. Uh, the, the, I watched, or watched, I read some discussions about this movie, and they brought up an interesting point how this movie is kind of an amalgamation of sci-fi and every John Hughes movie you've ever seen mixed with this family movie, because like on all levels, like John Hughes stuff, typically your parents aren't going to appreciate it, right? You're 16. You're going to see breakfast club. There's no parent going into that saying like rooting for the the high school kids. Mm -hmm. It's all about the kids. Ferris Bueller's day off all about the kids. Mm. This movie does it all. This movie, it, it ropes in the nerds with the sci-fi angle. Um, it it does you know the John Hughes sci-fi or John Hughes nerd stuff, um, teenager angst sort of like I wish I could change my family type stuff. Yeah, uh, and it also gets the family perspective like the parents in it because they're all looking at this going, oh yeah no uh, I remember when I was a kid in the fifties that stuff was, sure we were boozing we were smoking sure. we were fucking it's it, Lorraine we we get your game here uh-huh. you're trying to make your kids better we get it. Yeah. We get it. So, like, every angle it hits, which makes this, like, a true family blockbuster film. I was you, So, you're talking about, the like, the, the parents enjoying it and all this stuff. One thing I wanted to comment on is the fact that it's crazy to me that in 2016, the 1985 stuff looks way dated. But the 1955 stuff is kind of cool. 
Like oh, there's several yeah, people yeah. here rocking haircuts and clothes that I would I could totally see in a bar in downtown Cincinnati by young hip people wearing. Yeah, I mean look at look at all the pop stars. Like they have haircuts a lot like some sure. of these fifty like there's uh, a lot of Biff's people haircut. rocking the Bieber in, right. in there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and you know all these flannels coming back mm-hmm. and like just you know toss on a flannel a t shirt you're good Skinny to go. Jeans, peg legs, right. Right, it all comes back. Has around. the rolled up jeans come back? I think. so. I feel so. like I've seen some dudes yeah. with some jean roll, the rolled up jeans, or uh, walking around. Yeah, I just think that's that's an indictment of fashion, isn't it? It's just a trick that they play on. It's just every thirty years, they're going to roll out the same shit, and we're going to be like, "Oh, retro shegru." Pretty much, yeah. I mean, and guess what? Eighties, eighties is coming up, right? Uh, yes. I we mean, should be, as far as retro we, we, goes, we've just yeah. I mean, although it's weird because we we went hardcore in the seventies, and then like didn't we come back to like super like old school cool like the James Dean era cool right? Uh, maybe they maybe the eighties was just a terrible idea, and we'll just never get back around to it. I think the seventies was seventies. Seventies came back. It, it Some never, elements, I don't think right. it ever yeah. got to like the everyday wear, like the way that the 50s stuff has gotten now in the yeah. 60s. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in high fashion, definitely the 70s came out. Let's talk about the. Let's talk about future fashion. Couture. What? Let's talk about what oh, Doc Brown sake. comes back wearing. At He's the wearing end of this a movie. jacket made of condoms and. <laughs> yeah, that's and exactly the, summer... the way we dress in, in 2016 or whatever. Right. It's just another. You know, guesstimation of what we would be wearing and doing, and I feel the like they've done a better job with that too now. Yeah, like when, so. you, when you, we get uh, near future clothes, it's not. I mean, I go back to her. Her is a perfect example of that. Yes, they're wearing some weird stuff, but it's all just slight variations yes. on what we're wearing today. Sure, um, which is also like incorporating retro fashion as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they do a much better job in a movie like that of uh, near future guessing. I, the, another random thing I thought. Uh, so Mayor Goldie is giving uh, Marty's dad a pep talk in the diner, and he's like, "You know, boy, you can be anybody." Like, and, and Marty says, "That's right, you're going to be mayor." Yep. Who actually takes that as praise? Like, if someone said that to me in the middle of a pep talk, I turn and be like, "Hey, pal, fuck you." And you were working in a diner. I'm just trying to help nobody. this guy. Don't be making like you know. Don't be fucking making fun of me. But right. No, he's right. like, oh yeah, I'm gonna be the mayor. Yeah, and it. I don't know. I the only thing I can think in that scene is chicken or egg. Like, mm. did he become the mayor because Marty said so it, or another paradox? Did he know he was the mayor because a positive paradox? He became the mayor. Yeah. So why Doc Brown's uh, creeping up with uh, Marty because they're best friends? Yep. Uh, how do you respect either of your parents after this? What your do you dad's mean? a creeper. Your mom is a whor- uh, 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 horn. I almost said horn dog. Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, actually, I want to say horn dog, but I think it. it I stuttered. It almost sounded like I called her a whore. Don't oh. do that. Yeah, she's, whor- slut she's whoring around, nah. drinking and smoking. She lived. We all did. Right. Um, right. Uh, how does. do you ever go back and like she's smoking, she's drinking, she's trying, and, and and this isn't a scarring experience for you as well. Uh huh. Like. First of all, you jump to the idea of putting your paws on your mother as a way to get your dad on the first base. What the fuck, Marty? <laughs> it's creepy. Can we just talk? Let's just talk about everything. 
All their family. You come here and you accidentally get your mom in love with you. Okay. Instead of this convoluted Rube Goldberg mousetrap kind of fucking way to put your hands on your mama's titties so that your dad can come to the rescue, (laughs) why don't you just shit your pants? And, and like when she's like, you just you're sitting there talking to her. You just shit your pants and didn't every say, time you see her. If it doesn't I, work the first uh, time, uh, this isn't an accident. This happens like two, three times a week. <laughs> so just your so plan you know, is to Lorraine. repulse her. That seems yeah. like the way because she naturally wants simpler. to bone your dad, or else you wouldn't be here. So just get the fuck out of the way, man. Right, right. Uh, he does, like you could you I could get think... a sharpie and put a fucking swastika on your head. How well do you think that would play in 1950s America? <laughs> How well do you would it play in the you 2015 just, you Act America. like you're a fascist neo, like a not even neo Nazi, just a Nazi. Right, right. So there are much easier ways. So he would still have to go in a bad cleanup, right? Like he shits his pants. She is absolutely repulsed by the man <laughs> shitting himself every time she sees him. He still has to go in and make sure that they connect. Does he? Because they did find the first time through. Right, but it was all about the car. The car hitting George meant that he spent time with her and she got to know him beyond his awkward personality. I got the idea that if George, if if he just said, hey, George, you should hit on her. She's into you. I got the idea that the diner that um, if he had gone in there and said something like, "Uh, I want to go to the dance with you. You're my destiny. Because she said, oh, I mean, the look on her face was like, this is kind of charming. Like, I think that's all it takes. Really? See, I thought he fucked up that encounter. Oh, no, it's totally. But she was still kind of... Well, that's what I mean when and I say fucked is, up. She wasn't into it. I'd never consider Crispin Glover an attractive man. Right. But at this stage in his youth and health and glowingness in the 50s attire, it kind of was working for him. He just needs a better haircut. Don't do that crazy undercut shave thing and sure, and maybe get a little less disheveled. I thought he was reasonably... In the same way that yeah. uh, uh, What's-Her-Face is... Like Leah Thompson, Leah Thompson, not crazy hot, but she's pretty attractive. That's what I'm saying. 1950s, but that's what I'm saying. Like AC, you're not gonna ever, you know, uh, confuse him for like a legitimately super hot dude. But were you going to AC Slater territory? Is that where you were going? No, what you said, AC something. AC, I don't know. God, just too too many AC. There's AC Green. Too many Greens. Glovers, Crispins. Honey butts, bunches <laughs> right. of oats. Like. So I, I read that scene as he, he spectacularly failed. I mean, obviously he goes in quoting density and stuttering and stammering. Yeah. I thought the whole reason they ever got together was because of the, the car. I mean, it that, is. Th- that's the way they tell it in the, the pre-shift 1985. You're right. But I, I do think that George had asked her out because she did seem to react positively. And it was only Calvin Klein flying by on his skateboard and just being the coolest motherfucker in town. Right. So I'm going to add to the creepiness of George McFly, both in the past and the present mm-hmm. uh, the, and, and the future. This fundamentally changes their relationship in a lot of different ways. Not only is he more confident, but what story do they tell their kids now about <laughs> well, how they son, met? You know, Biff, my lackey. Right. He was up on your mom trying to rape her. What? He's in the driveway, Dad. Yeah. Why is it? Why are you allowing him anywhere near Mom? Yeah. I have a young. I have a younger daughter. <laughs> right. Like, what? Do you leave them alone? Like, does Biff ever babysat her? So, like, so do they tell them that? And if not, is this grab assing that they're playing 
in front of their kids not like a creepy reminder of the way that they met <laughs> to each other? I don't know. Like, did you? I don't. Did, I don't. Did your parents like? My parents weren't super affectionate. No, no, no. I I never like saw a lot of. You Isn't know what weird? you would call sexuality for my parents. Like I mean, I, I mean, like uh, I think it's pretty normal. I think that's a thing that parents do. No, but I'm saying like, is it weird? Because like I don't like get inappropriate, but like I'll something you know, I kiss Cecily. Sometimes I'll, I'll give her a play right. slap on, a slap on the ass when my son's in the room. Like I felt okay. like that my parents were over on the other side, like too reserved. Like that's not a realistic view of a relationship. Yeah. I mean, I certainly I've seen my I had seen numerous occasions where my parents have kissed. Okay, but it wasn't anything like a, a grab of the ass or like anything that would say, "Hey, we fuck," <laughs> like that sort of thing. <laughs> it was more just like, "Hey, mom and dad, kiss." That's the okay. thing. Okay, I, I can parents I can only remember my mom and dad kissing like two or three times my whole life. Really? Okay. Yeah. That's. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I also like the fact that Lor- uh, Lorraine's dad, presumably Marty's grandpa, uh, yells into the house, uh, so-and-so, my wife's name, another of these damn kids jumped in front of me. Like, how many kids has he <laughs> mowed down in this block? Right. You get the impression. And has Lorraine like, slept with them all? Yeah. <laughs> Here's the other thing about that. I, I'm confused as to what possible reason you would have for writing your own name in your underwear. You I, did a little bit of hypothesizing, and I think you came up with a pretty good well, I, solution. I know but. that people have done that. That was a thing that people done in the past, but I think it's something that like you do with kids because, like, so let's say you've got a, you got three boys in the house, and they're seven, nine, and 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 uh, ten. It's not like you can visually distinguish. And and back this is back in the fifties. Right. Everyone's got the same fucking tidy whities right? Right. You don't have the shark boxers. But nobody the... wants to wear your brother's underwear. No, of course they're going to be a little Ugh. too tight or whatever. So you put... and it's just kind of grody. So so mom writes your name in sharpie on the waist tag so that uh, okay. when she's putting your clothes away, she puts them in the right dresser. Okay, this is for mom's benefit, not yours. Yeah. Because well, it's I mean indirectly for you. I also think but that maybe I, I was that was like, a part of military culture that got imported. Like, doesn't that make sense? Or like, I don't. You get these GIs and like, how do they keep their underwear separate? That's presumably all going and getting laundered by some service. They're not doing it themselves, and they come right. to college and they're living in dorms. Same thing. Like, you got to put your name in your underwear to keep it distinguished. Okay, that's fair. I, I just you know, I guess that might have happened to me. I'm not sure because I have a brother who's two years younger. Hmm. You know, I imagine our underwear was That's not thing, dissimilar. My, I had a sister who was five years younger well, than me, and my brother's don't. like two years. So, like, there was no no mistaking your sister. I'd in moved your into boxers underwear. by the time. Right, I took s- I took the leap to boxers. Uh, yeah, pretty... but your mom didn't keep. Uh, you ought to ask her sometime. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, I can do that. Yeah, I was like, shit. No, <laughs> Maybe if I had work. a DeLorean. Uh, how did you keep our brother's uh, underwear? Apart. When are you coming back to the Kingdom Hall? What? <laughs> what if she said I didn't? <laughs> Be like, fuck you, mom. Because you guys were about the same. Like, maybe she didn't. Haven't you seen Back to the Future? I'm a product of my family. Uh, I love the reaction that Doc Brown has to the idea that Ronald Reagan is the president. And I'm thinking, like, if you <laughs> go, glorious, if you go yeah. back into like 1990, and uh-huh. like, say Trump wins the election this year. Oh God! And say, like, who's the president? Donald Trump. He's like that 
billionaire, um, depending on what decade, it'd be that billionaire asshole, that guy that just bankrupt his company, uh-huh. that guy that's on The Apprentice. Like, <laughs> right. It would get roughly the same reaction. It would be insane to consider. Because if, but... you, if you go back 18 months ago and ask anybody on the street, Donald Trump's running for president and he's the front runner, uh-huh. nobody believes you. You're right. Nobody believes you. You're absolutely right. Here, here's the other thing. So we talked you about can Calvin. Say that, uh, to be fair, you can say the same thing about Bernie Sanders. They'd go, who? So, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but at least it wouldn't be an immediate no. Yeah. No, fuck you. Yeah, That's no, wrong. Donald, no. The guy with the hair? Yeah. No. Uh, so the other thing about Calvin Klein and his mother, mm-hmm. how do these two people who were so irrevocably changed by this kid in 1955 not realize oh my god as 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 marty mcfly grows to be 12 13 15 years old how do they not recognize him as the man who changed their lives forever well when calvin klein underwear becomes a thing how do you not put two and two together right like there'd be like i don't know this would all be very memorable for them yes? yes like we met at this dance this crazy guy who got us together in the first place and tried to rape me yeah because or, or no, no, wait. Well, I, I tried. tried to rape I him. tried to rape. Yeah. Uh, on on the night where you saved me from getting raped, played this crazy Johnny Be Good thing that went off the fucking rails. <laughs> yeah. It was insane. Uh huh. You would remember Calvin. Yeah, totally. Klein. Totally. So and how it's does your own how, son? Like right? you look just like as he ages, you would get progressively more creeped out. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Because it's would not like Lorraine it. was seven; she was eighteen. Right. Like, I would right? definitely remember s- someone that I tried. I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 <laughs> a little bit of a plot hole. Um, so here's where we, we said this movie is so tightly plotted because, like, you know, this whole thing, you need 1.21 gigawatts. The only right. way you can get it is from a bolt of lightning. I don't know if that's true or not, but the movie says it is. Might be. And it's like, the only problem is you don't know when or where it will strike. Yeah. But Marty's got the fucking flyer that apparently has down to the second. Perfect. Of, of when because that's the thing. This is a split fucking second operation. Yeah, and they got a they got a. I don't I don't know that that clock has a second hand. Didn't look like it. And even if they did, no, it, it doesn't have a second hand. So how do you know precisely when it struck? Like if you're just using your I can pocket only watch imagine to that it's, time it. I can only imagine it's in that article that the flyer so I, has the actual seconds the even thing though, froze at such and, and however many t- revolutions right. of the years we were able to determine that it was precisely at okay yeah. and like maybe they figured out after the fact wrote it in the article and now how marty does doc has brown though though well marty would have that flyer oh i guess he would watch to see when the the, the minute hand well, I mean, actually they can advances. calculate seconds in 1955 yeah but i'm saying how do you know your clock is the same as the clock tower synchronized clocks you watch for the clock to change as soon as the hand goes but I, that's what big clocks. I don't think the the hand like clicks over. Oh, like, it doesn't. I it, think it's like it it's, gradually moves. Anyway, yeah, you're, you're probably right. Not the biggest problem in the movie, but it's like <laughs> I start thinking like, man, how do they get this timing just so? Well, the problem there is getting the car to connect at the exact second. Yes, I mean that's the tricky at 88 part. miles an hour. Now that's just right. That's just an exercise in physics. But Marty has to like they should have practiced this. Now I assume it's 88 and up. Yes. Oh, it just has to be at least 88 at miles At least an hour. 88. But I'm saying the, the nail it perf, in perf, perfection, you have yeah. to know exactly how fast you're going and when you have to hit this. And, uh-huh. Yeah. And he fucks it up, too, right? The DeLorean won't start. 
Yeah. Uh, and maybe that's time fucking with him. Maybe that's time ah. saying if you were to go now, he, you would miss it. He has to hit it or else the there, thing doesn't he, work. He couldn't not hit it. All right. Because as he's trying to start, the time's fucking with him. Let's go with that. Okay. Uh, so they're at the school the next day, and Marty's trying to hook his dad up. Wouldn't the principal know that Marty doesn't belong? In his own fucking school in 1950s America, wouldn't this principal know, hey, kid, yeah. the fuck are you? Probably. And then they keep panning, and Doc Brown, <laughs> you would certainly notice the 45-year-old creeper in the zoot suit and the hat and the shocking hair. Uh-huh. Like, what the hell are you doing around all these teenage girls, sir? Well, you, you realize the reason they gave him the hat, right? Why? To hide his hair. Like, he pulls it up. You can see the back is pulled up. But So it's all hidden under this hat. Does he this think hat. he's a teacher there? <laughs> but you're right. He would know... To the to the man to the person creeping Doc Brown. No one he's got such a checkered because the you know it's like you gotta stop hanging around that Doc Brown. Yep. He used to molest girls in our high school. Yep. Uh, we talked about the wardrobes being dated. Uh, Van Halen music is torture. Darth Vader from the Planet Vulcan. <laughs> uh, this is beautiful. I love it. My question is, you know, George and Lorraine get together. They get married. Inevitably, they're gonna have this pillow talk conversation. Is like, you know, what, what, why did you pick me? Like, with the story of us getting together, at what point do you tell your girlfriend, fiance, wife that Darth Vader from the fucking planet Vulcan <laughs> threatened to melt my mind unless I manned up and asked you out? I'll, I'll tell you exactly when you do it. Okay. It's when you realize that the rough draft of your script for your uh, for your book <laughs> is that story. Yes, because if you look at the cover of that book, uh-huh. that's exactly what it is. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So I think you got to come clean at that point, right? <laughs> right. Uh, I love his you getting his swagger together and like, Lou... Give me a milk, chocolate, and the thing yeah. slides down. Like, it's so, 1950s. so stupid, but cool at the it's, same time. It's what everybody thinks of the 50s. Uh, and, you know, we talk about everything it, that happens. Biff fighting. Yeah. And like the, I love, like, there's so many cool just notes. Like, when Biff gets up and he just keeps getting up. Yeah, and then you can see Marty's head poking over his shoulders, his eyes widening. Because Michael J. Fox, like he's Fox, scared. He's a little guy. Sure, yeah. Um, and it's guy, a damn shame what's happening. I mean, it's it's a damn shame I anyone know. gets ravaged by disease. But right. good God, this guy's comic timing and charisma. Yeah. And he could have like a Tom Hanks. He could have been acting until he, the day he died. And it's like. And, and, you know, when you say acting, not just bit roles. Like leading star, man. Major yeah. star. Yeah. And I read an interview because he did this thing with, um, was it? Was it Conan, where he did the Back to the Future? Uh, one of the big, uh, maybe it's Jimmy, uh, yeah. not Fallon. The, but was the it when guy. the shoes came out? No, this was just like last year when it was the 30th yeah. anniversary or whatever. Yeah, um, Nike did the shoes. Oh, Pep- yes, yes, Pepsi yes. Pepsi did the, the clear. And he talked about like what it took to do five minutes worth of live television. Like the regimen yeah. he had to go on, and how much rest he had, and like, and when he's on, like he's still like you can see it, man. They're yeah. like, God damn! What still a shame. Michael J. Fox. The thing that really gets me about it is when I look at him uh, and what the disease has done to him, and I look at this movie where I know he's going up on that stage and he's playing Johnny B. Good. Yes. Like, make no mistake, he's, he was up there playing that shredding song. Shredding the guitar. Uh, and then I look at him in his office where he's got he's surrounded by his guitars and his mm-hmm. awards and like. Mm-hmm. Can he do that anymore? Yeah. Like what? I mean, that's taken everything that he loves, right? Like yeah. his acting, his ability to play guitar. Like oh, I would these imagine that, like sucks. at this point, like as a guitar his... player, that really yeah, that gets to me because like yeah. 
Ugh. And it was amazing how long he was able to work those like ticks and spasms into his kind of shtick. Yeah, like, like I you forget what Spin was the, City. Yeah, that's what I, was I say, love. Love that show. Yeah, a lot of that performance is him managing his illness, and then even in like Scrubs, mm-hmm. when he comes yeah, back and does yeah, his yeah. guest role, and he yeah. has to shit on the roof because he literally can't use anybody's yep. bathroom. Yep. It's a different illness, but it's the same yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. kind of character thing. Hell of a guy. Yeah. It's a damn shame. No, it's, it's real sad. Um, and again, we talk about like, you know, his mom, he falls in love with her son. But to be fair, everything he does in the scene with the skateboards and he, <laughs> he wrecks Biff into a, a a truck full of shit, total panty dropper. You, you don't think about how bad an ass it is, but I mean, he's essentially inventing skateboarding. He's, he's inventing skateboarding. <laughs> he's, he's taking down the A1 bully in school. Delivering justice. Yeah. And he's wearing... And- purple underwear while he does it yeah no it's amazing uh i i can't blame her uh-huh uh i love how the scale model of the 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 clock tire like doc brown goes the bananas he would he have does. invented time machine 15 years ago if he'd stopped doing scale models <laughs> to this degree and i love that he apologizes for how crude, how crude it is it, yes that's the yeah. thing that really sells the joke but then it catches and then michael on j fire. fox just like it's good. Yeah, yeah. It's good. <laughs> and then the thing just wrecks, catches on fire, catches a whole thing of greasy rags on fire, almost burns down the garage. Yep. It's so fucking good. Like, what's the point of that? No, no real point. There was no Doc point. Doc just to loves. It. I mean, that's I Doc. Know. He it's loves great. to demonstrate his ideas. It's great. He wants people to understand what he's doing. Um, there's the plot point about Doc, Doc refusing to listen about the future. Yeah, and. They never really explain why he reversed his decision. At the end, he's like, I just figured, ah, what the hell? I love that explanation. Like, Doc that just seems drunk like a one night, and he's yeah. like, you know what? I'm curious. Maybe it'll destroy the universe, but fuck it. That feels like a real person it feels to like me. a Doc Brown thing. Sure. Yeah. Uh, how often would Brian... Because that's... Doc Brown, eventually, a cop comes to hassle him about this experiment he's running, and he is, makes it go away by bribing the cop yep how often does bribing a police officer in 1950s in small town in america work like if it is five thousand dollars maybe hmm. but if it's a twenty dollar bill i think this guy's like what do you think i am fuck you yeah or maybe i'm totally underestimating how corrupt small town american cops are They're, well here's the thing how often does it have not to work? that kind of corrupt how often does it have to work to make it worth it because, like, the one time it doesn't work... You're in jail. You're going to jail for bribery. Sure. And also, Marty's not going back to the future. Yeah, right. This him. may be a bad time to try it. Or maybe he's don't... done the risk calculation, and it works so many times out of 100 that he knows... I don't it, know. You don't have a permit, a so what are you going to do? But Right. Uh... Bonk him over the head with a flashlight? Yeah. And stuff him in the DeLorean? You mentioned that, like, I, I've not ever gotten this, the fact that this guy's Marvin Berry, who's actually supposedly the cousin of Chuck Berry. Yeah. That and that he, the style in fact, of music. I yeah, totally... Marty McFly comes back with a Chuck Berry song to teach Chuck Berry how to be Chuck Berry. It's beautiful. It's a lot of Chuck Berry. And I, I love this scene. It doesn't serve any purpose in the film whatsoever. Um, all it does is literally just, it's a, it's a musical number. No, right. it's a payoff to his. I'm afraid to perform in front of people. Like his, his father. Okay, his All right. Dealing with his father has given him the confidence that his father didn't lack. It's That's like, fair. It's, yeah. yeah. So it's 
I mean, yeah. I mean, that's like saying that the him fucking around in the town, bumming rides, hitchhiking rides on a skateboard is was no purpose. Not nah, set up the next scene. Right. I guess it does do that. Uh, I never never put two and two together on that one. But I love that scene. I well, mean, I missed Mar- Marvin Berry, so it's just uh, as a guy who likes to play guitar, wouldn't call myself a guitarist, but that scene's awesome. I liked also like because I was sitting there the whole. I didn't remember how. Like when the rain really started putting, like she jumped on top of Michael J. Fox or uh, Calvin Klein. Mm-hmm. I'm like, fuck, because I forgot exactly. It was like this Biff just come, but she like stops and says, "It's like kissing my brother." I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, there's some weird time thing going on here, or just like if you like, there's so not a connection between them that, or the different kind of connection, right? Because I don't know, it's, uh, I've I've read all these weird twin things where, like, there's this particular type of effect where if you not if you're not even related to someone, like, say you and a girl are raised together from the age of one, you will find yourselves repulsive, regardless of how attractive, because that's like something that's essentially uh, a discouragement from inbreeding, from incest. It's like a built-in okay. evolutionary thing. Um, but if you take twins and separate them and they just meet as adults without knowing that they're brothers and sisters, apparently they find each other crazy attractive because the other overriding huh. thing is you like things that are similar to yourself. Sure, yeah. Like, f- presumably the female version of you would be the hottest thing ever to you. Makes sense. I don't see I it. I would prefer but... it without the beard, but <laughs> well, that, whatever. You, know. <laughs> you can be a feminine, feminist and, and or you can be feminine and rock a beard. Can you? I think. I've never seen the feminine beard sport that one the, the the muslim girl that was doing it a few or maybe she's indian i don't I know i have no idea uh the her boyfriend is super into it maybe because she looks just like him only with boobs i would say you could be female maybe not feminine with a beard okay i mean that's not a feminine quality yes i'm just not going to walk into that landmine <laughs> okay i'm intentionally tiptoeing and you're just like fucking going for it all I'm right gonna plow ahead like biff <laughs> You know, I'm getting all the signs that I shouldn't. I'm going to keep going. And there's a lot of, like, uh, the movie's surprisingly not offens- offensive. Yeah. It's a little too pop, poppy, a little too bubblegummy to be that offensive. But what I'm saying is, like, you know, like, the fact that uh, they show Biff and his crew being racist. And, right. like, the... And the diner the, the, owner the, the, being the, racist and all sorts yeah, of shit. Yeah, but he, that dude becomes the mayor, and this, these dudes right. are famous musicians, and they're going to beat the shit out of these peckerwoods, like... I felt like that there's a little bit. It's you kind of a. You didn't think the, like black dope smoking musician was a, a little too much of a stereotype. I don't know because like if I if I see any musician, if, they're probably if you're, smoking play, dope, if you're yeah. playing a, ba- a bar band, you're smoking dope, right? Like you might be the one guy that's straight edging it, but you are the <laughs> you are the exception. Black, white, Indian, Chinese, I don't give a shit. If you're playing in a bar band. That's fair. You're probably smoking dope. That's fair, but they also go with the I ain't messing with no reefer addicts, sort of like I do like that. hysteria of reefer yeah, of the time. Which, which is, again, like, a 1985 people were joking about what a menace marijuana is, and but, yet it's still fucking illegal. But at the time, it was also tied to race, which makes me go more yes. toward the... No. Sh- this is a racist portrayal, not not like a... Ah, uh. Not like, oh, it's just musicians smoking reefer. See, if you take it a step further, you realize that, uh, like many things, the anti-drug laws were mostly racist in the way they were constructed. Yeah, totally. Uh, That's why alcohol is okay. 
because white uh -huh. people like that. Tobacco's okay. And opium. Now white no, people start... Opium's what those Chinese people are smoking on the rail, and, and uh, marijuana's what those uh, Mexicans right. are bringing. Yeah, yeah. And now that white people have started to like weed, that's guess here we what? come. Legalization, baby. I don't know if it's going to be now or 16 years in the future, but it's coming. It sucks. It's bullshit. It's real. What are you going to say? Yeah. Read, read Freakonomics, people. Uh, so... Uh, and also, let's go back to that. There's okay. there's a there's a lot of the past isn't quite what you thought it was sort of things. Oh and yeah, like, like hazy uh, rose colored views of the past. Yeah, like everyone says in 1950s, those are the good old days, right? Right, right. And your parents are never quite as innocent as they claim. Sure. And like every generation is basically the same in these in these sort of basics terms, right? Mm -hmm. Like everybody's horny. Everybody rebels. Everybody teenagers like, are teenagers, right? It's just a period of your life, not a period in history. And mm -hmm. it's like, that is all over this movie. Yep. And, and, and I'm not sure what it's trying to say about like, whether or not you as a parent should cover that up. Like, I don't think it's is that it smart. No, is it? <laughs> right, right. But I'm reading too to much read, into no, it. No, God please, damn it. Please, please read too much into it. Right. Uh, I don't know. What do you think the movie... So aside from, I guess, what you think the movie is actually saying, do do you think there's a message in there? Because they play know, around with man, a lot with that idea. There's these things that plug into... like. Like, did Goonies set out to be this classic coming-of-age uh, tale, or was it just, like, it, it this, this romp adventure that they thought would be entertaining the kids, and it just happened to uh, hit upon his magic formula? Yeah. Like, some of these things, like, uh, the things you're talking about, I feel like are emergent qualities of the filmmaking process, uh -huh. not necessarily things that they baked into the, the movie. Yeah, it's interesting, because I, I do feel like with this movie being so tightly scripted... Um, mm. And and it and it being obvious in its scripting, yeah. Um, after the fact, I feel like that is kind of baked into this movie mm. in but a lot of ways. But then again, emergent properties are the inherently in any kind of complicated uh, system. And this movie, as you say, is tightly plotted and it's got a lot going on. So yeah, I just I feel like if you look at Office Space, right? That's a movie that I don't feel like was crafted specifically to appeal to a generation of you know, disenfranchised employees, right? Uh-huh. It turned out to be that, and that's just because that's how Mike Judge felt. Yeah. Uh, he set out to make a movie that reflected his experience with office sure. work, and boom, that's what you get. Okay. And then the public latched onto it. Whereas I feel like when I look at Spielberg's work, his stuff is always so tightly crafted uh, and so obviously crafted, and not in a bad way, just you can see the maker at work there, that I... I don't know if I ascribe it to just chance. I, I feel like there's more at play there with a Steven Spielberg guy. Okay. But that's just how I view it. Uh, so Michael J. Fox's photograph is disappearing, and there's a terribly composited photo of his hand disappearing as he's trying to play guitar. Oh, God. It's a nightmare. He yeah. disappears. What the fuck happens? Does the guitar literally like clatter to the <laughs> floor and people are like what the fuck a man just disappeared or di or are they like what the fuck a man is dead on the floor here like or, does he die or does it is it something like where the time just fixes itself where like he never existed and the guy mm -hmm. didn't injure his hand because he wasn't he just instantly you know starts playing I mean I don't it know It doesn't seem like time will work that way. It doesn't huh. seem like time is self-correcting here, right? Yeah. Al although maybe it is to a degree. Maybe it's more difficult. So that's interesting. Like, 
Marty McFly goes back to the past and he accidentally gets hit by this car, which causes this chain of events in which his parents may never exist. Right. That's accidental and it is a major shift in the timeline, mm-hmm. right? All of his best efforts are just barely at the end of the day able to scrape by a victory for his desired timeline. Mm-hmm. It, it, does it say anything about how difficult it is to direct time? Like, mm. direct a stream of events versus happenstance just totally fucking things over? Well, it makes me think of, like... Is time if, actively if, working against him, and is he <laughs> resisting it? Or is it... Well, I don't know, because, like... I'm anthropomorphizing I, time this, a little this, bit, Yeah, but. this is making me think of, uh, <laughs> like, let's say Marty misses his... Because he, he kind of fucks around. He plays this song, he shouldn't. <laughs> you're right. Then Doc says, you're late. And not only did he do that, but he, he changed his clothes, because I'm not going back in that zoot suit. Like, you're right, yeah, So yeah. let's say he misses his boat. Uh-huh. He's got this picture of himself, and he's living his life in 1955's America. And let's say that uh, George pisses Lorraine off one night, like you do. Mm-hmm. Does he start disappearing again? Like, does, does, like, does he only solidify right. when he puts the P in the V for the third time and makes Marty McFly? Like, it's a good question. You know so what I'm saying like every time their the relationship takes a bad turn, does he start? Oh God, <laughs> gotta go get my old man a pep talk. Like, right? There's some like degree <laughs> yeah. of fucked that the timeline sure. is that he directly feels, and, yeah. and it, it implies that he has set in motion a timeline that is absolutely perfect. Right? That that they never argue. That they never yes. have a fight. This is like a, yeah, which again would have made a lot of different that they changes. don't split up in the future before he's born like yeah you don't they maybe they didn't they didn't travel they didn't go to different states like yep this prosperity and confidence only resulted in slightly better furniture and clothes <laughs> right and cars uh, <laughs> uh yeah it's interesting and a better town too like I, I think his town is not nearly as shitty yes when he comes back to it yeah because i feel like that like f- uh, the clock tower is spared yeah Yes, it was. Uh, no, it wasn't. I thought it was. I thought when they I got back that it was actually working. Shit. Now I feel... I'm not sure, but I, took I, it I do for know granted that the town that the, is cleaned up, right? Like I took it for granted that the town was... And that was inde- systemic or endemic of the town. Like, it was broken down and needing repair, and now that never yeah. happened to it. Uh, but I could be wrong. But it does get struck by lightning, right? They just don't repair it. Yes, because um, they didn't have so maybe money, the and maybe that depressed the town, and who knows the fuck, you know what. Right, and how, like, I wonder, so we talked about, um, while we were watching this, like, what does George McFly do for a living? This is his first book. He clearly didn't make his money off of book deals, right? Maybe he made it off of writing short stories or some other, like, screenwriting, and this is his first, quote-unquote, novel. Yeah. Um is is he some bigwig in the town? Because apparently Marty's actions have changed not only his family but the town as a whole. Is oh, that right. caused by something he something that George McFly does? George or, McFly was elected as, as class president, as suggested by one of his students. He right. then went on to a successful career of politics, and he headed off the disastrous reforms that Mayor Gold. Goldie Goldberg instituted <laughs> that just ran the city into the ground. Like, All right. That, that, so Goldberg, Goldie was a shitty mayor. He was. He just wanted to solve everything with a mop and a broom. You can't do, you gotta, you can't do and that. And after he said he was going to clean up the town, Mm-mm. he fucking didn't. No. Although, do we know, is he mayor Best in the future? Uh, in the, the, the no, no, shifted I, version I have of, no idea. of the present? I don't know that they ever... Uh, okay. Th- 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 it was, was, uh, it's probably it, on a sign somewhere. I was going to say, it might flyer. be a reelect. Yeah. Uh... So I don't know. George McFly must be some type of community official, I would imagine. 
He's a pillar of the community. Changing the community, yeah. Pillar. That's what you're looking for. Uh, okay, so I, I, there's, I'm trying to think about... Um, man, the whole sequence of Doc with his fucking wire... As a, that was the most stressful thing I've ever seen sat through as a kid. Oh, God, yeah. He's just one damn thing after another. And he finally gets yeah. to the, he almost falls off the clock. The thing's dangling by his fucking pant leg. Mm-hmm. He's doing all this acrobatics. He finally gets it plugged in. And then the, the thing at the bottom unplugs. I'm like, Jesus. Yep. And then you have to this guy break. Getting the worst. Gives burns. himself third degree burns on his palms. Like those yeah. gloves. Glo- uh, that's a nice touch of realism. Those gloves were literally smoking. I'm surprised he actually could invent a time machine with his useless hands. <laughs> sure. Thirty sure. years in the future. I think that's it. Like I. That's that's pretty much. Uh, I, I've I've wrung all of the observations I had out of this movie, and we've talked about yeah. uh, time travel and the science fiction of it, and it's an hour and 48 minutes in this podcast. <laughs> let me let me make a quick recommendation for people looking for maybe time travel movies that, that hang together a little bit better than this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a movie called Primer. This movie, I, I've ah. talked about it. People in the forums have talked about it. Everybody who I've it's commissioned. seen... Right, it it is commissioned. Yeah, it's going to be coming up weeks from now, weeks and weeks and weeks. So, if you want to get on on board, yeah, go check out Primer. It's a very low budget. I heard it was made for seven thousand dollars. It's by, like what sixty minutes long? No, uh, I think it's feature length. I oh, think okay. It's I like thought it was like an hour ninety short. or an hour ninety, an hour and a half. <laughs> um, but but that hangs together much better. They try to be consistent with the changes that time travel would make and the methods of time travel, they they have basically one big sort of uh, hand-wavy moment and then the rest of it kind of follows. I think it's extremely complex and it's very hard to follow, but if you watch it a bunch of times, it seems like it all hangs together. I recommend it strongly. Primer, it's a great movie. Uh, and I guess I'll, this, I, I got this Triangle movie, which I think was made in 2009. It's a British film. Mm-hmm. Uh I I got this off the forums and I can't say that I loved it because my biggest problem was that that I felt like most of the characters could have solved the problem if they had just pulled their heads out their asses and realized something is afoot. Right. Um, but if you wanted, you know, ninety minutes of people stuck in Marty McFly, first five minutes in nineteen fifty five. But it's a horror. It's a time paradox Sounds horror movie. Yeah. And there are certainly, like, even despite my problems with the film, there's certainly a lot of creepy, dread type of situations in there, too. All right. And it's, and it's fairly well acted and, and, and well made. Uh, I wouldn't call it a low-budget film. It's like a mid-budget indie. But, yeah, it's, uh, if you're looking for a horror, horror take on a time travel film, check out Triangle. Yeah, I will definitely go check that out. Uh, there's also another one called Time Crimes that I haven't seen, but everybody seems to love it. It's like this uh, Spanish language. Another one I recommend, Time Cop. Time Cop. Starring the incomparable uh, John John, John Claude Van Damme. You want to see a man who can not only split time, but his legs farther than you would ever expect? (laughs) Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. That's a good one. That's actually a really solid time travel movie. Is, am I, I wouldn't, wouldn't mind taking a poke at that as a podcast. I, well, get on the shopping I remember really... Well, I might. Pay I me remember, 150 I remember bucks. really liking that, but I haven't seen it in over 20 years. And, yeah. and is it, does it hold together? I think it does. Because I remember I think the time thinking the Bogus Adventures... or Bogus, bogus Journey. Bo- the Bogus yeah. Journey sucked. Yeah, I think that's general consensus. And that's like that was a that was a contemporary like thirteen year old Aaron saying this movie was not nearly as good as the beginning the first one. 
I also heartily recommend All Good Things, Star Trek The Next Generation's <laughs> series finale two-parter. Are we just going to name every time travel thing? <laughs> I re- All the good I, ones. I recommend the episode of, of uh, uh, Brave Star, where Sheriff Brave Star <laughs> goes back and, and interfaces with Sherlock Holmes, a fictional character. Um, I recommend Quantum Leap. <laughs> it's also an excellent time I recommend travel. Sliders. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get the hell out of here. Uh, uh, thank, thank you, you uh, Alafia. Yes. Uh, for, I mean, I was having a really shitty week, man. I was really up my own ass, and I was kind of sad and bummed out. Hmm. And wa- I, I, I pinpoint my week turning around to the moment we sat down and watched Back to the Future. It's a great movie. So I feel like I probably owe you money. But I and but uh, you're not getting any out of me. Uh, I appreciate. I thank you for commissioning this. It's a great idea. Yep. Um, I, I hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to commission your own podcast and have us talk about your favorite movie, uh, good, bad, or ugly, you can go to baldmove.com/slash/shop and click on the big uh, cinema wheel film roll looking thing. And there's a mm-hmm. bunch of community selections where you can pool your money with other bald move fans to get uh, some popular projects done. Or you can uh, go for the brass ring and do your own passion project like uh, Alafia and uh, see what we make of it. It's it's a high-risk, high-reward kind of thing. Any idea what uh, the next one coming up is? I have it here. Uh, it's the man who shot Jack Valance. Liberty Valance, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going we're gonna to see how that one goes. It's an older movie and... Uh... You know, we'll be back. I, I guess have, next week with that. I'm yeah. I'm expecting to love it because it's western, which is cool. It's John Wayne, which is cool. Yeah, and I do like the the genre, even though I haven't seen a ton of the genre. Um, yeah, and I know you know John Wayne is pretty good as far as westerns go. Yeah, but I don't you know, his acting style. It's different. Yeah, it's, I can see it's you having school. a problem with it. I might just know that it doesn't mean I hate the movie. All right, uh, it's just different. So yeah, we'll we'll see you guys for that one uh, in about a week. And until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See ya.